Hey, there we are. <laughs> there we are. Hi, friends. Welcome to the RNR show, the pre-show. I'm Ruel Gabriela, joined as always by my co-host Chris George. Chris, how the heck are you? I oh see my balloons. goodness, it's doing this thing. Okay, it, I'm so I'm using I'm using my FaceTime camera on a Mac because I'm remote right now. I'm in Nova Scotia, so if the internet cuts out, but. FaceTime has this new thing, whereas if you do symbols, and I always forget this, and if you do symbols, like gestures, they have effects that happen. That's and so the peace awesome. sign doing this, will, and I was just saying hello, I was like, oh, hey, we'll, <laughs> we'll garner balloons. That and uh, that's, that's something that happens that I swear I did not plan for that. Um, that uh, that derailed our intro because yeah. we have a special guest with us. <laughs> yes. Why don't you... Yeah, Ruel, go for I, it. I was going to say, our guest. friends, we are so excited to have Peter Vaughn from Cardboard Alchemy here. Hey. Hi, Peter. How's it going? Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Good, good. All right. Happy to have you here. We're so excited to have you join us. I know it's been in the works for a little while, but, uh, you know, scheduling and all so forth, always a challenge, but we do appreciate you taking the time out of your day to hang out with us today. Um, we're going to talk about all kinds of games, all kinds of fun stuff. We've awesome. got people in chat hanging out. Um, folks, if you don't know, uh, this there's a little game called Flamecraft that came out a little while ago, and it has been such a hit uh, with me and my friends personally. Um it doesn't get much cuter uh, than Flamecraft, honestly. And uh, Peter, congratulations on all the success. And uh, we're Appreciate so happy to be here. Appreciate it very much. I was a FOMO about this show. I'm like, this is such an exciting show. I want to. I want to be on this show. So it's an honor to come here. Awesome. I really appreciate it. Yeah. The honor is entirely on this side of the screen. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so, Chris, are we gonna have like these fun little stickers and stuff? I'll, I'll show a lot of this. Is I'm great. Try, well, this this sticker wasn't me. That oh. was that was uh, that was Undo Pixel who uh, gave us a more you know sticker. But the stickers also <laughs> coincidentally happened to hover right over my face. So I yes, I will take credit for them. And. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yes, we we might have them. We might have the. This is this is the best one. If you do two thumbs down, you get a ring. Oh, oh my gosh! Okay, that's way too cool. That's just that's so great. revealing. I'll be using that every time uh, Richard talks smack about my choices. Yes, uh, yes, please do. <laughs> in our when when we end up filming the list, um, but that's for later. That's that's the later list that we're going to be doing uh, as you as you all in the chat, or if you're watching on YouTube, you're here at the pre-show. This is the extended edition, and especially since we have such an incredible guest with us, I figure let's make it all about. Peter Vaughn and Cardboard oh, Alchemy. Nice. Yes, absolutely. Here I'm thinking like now we need like a dragons to pop up. We should have really coordinated oh, this. That's true. It's all good. That's true. I'll I'll contact <clears throat> Mac, honestly. <laughs> sure. I'll say, listen, your FaceTime, your FaceTime uh gestures are lacking. Yes. And we need some flamecraft dragons. Right? Absolutely. <laughs> Actually, uh, the Discord that we run is always asking me to put more like animated dragons or stickers or do something. So I have a laundry list nice. of 
got to get dragons everywhere. Nice, really right? Yeah. Oh yeah, little 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 dragon like gifts and emojis and yes. like oh that's yeah. cool. That's yeah. that's yeah. worth joining the the cardboard alchemy Discord just there to get those so. emotes <laughs> that you can use right? on other ch- on other Discord channels if you're a Discord you user. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so as always, folks, uh, you know, you all know we go live and we hang out here for a couple hours. We record the show uh, during about the halfway point um, into the show. We're going to be recording this for YouTube. But until then, we get to hang out with you all fine folk in chat. So if you have questions, comments, either uh, to Peter or uh, to Chris or myself, please drop in the comments um, in the chat section. We'll bring those up and and chat as we go. And like I was just going to say, as always, there's all kinds of tech issues going on. I literally, about an hour and a half ago. Never. Yeah, never. It's the first yeah. time ever. That's what I should say. Yeah, right. About an hour and a half ago, I turned on OBS, and I was literally not getting audio coming in or going out. It was ridiculous. And there was like some settings that you just flip a switch, and then, you know, I found a, a workaround. The workaround is, hey, shut down OBS, restart it, and voila, it works. So... Yeah, here we are. It's working. Have you tried turning it on and off again? That's yeah, the that's really tried and true. That's, yeah, <laughs> tried and yeah. true uh, IT fix. Um, now, I do not have, if y'all, all regulars know that right below here, we usually have a little banner that says pre-show, post-show, top 12 or whatever. That thing is not working. I cannot for the life of me figure out what is going on. I literally have the exact same settings that I, as I did last week. Uh, when we did the show and it's just gone. So really, just, we just wanted to emphasize the focus on the present moment of, yes. of now uh, yeah. to really, really be able to to focus not on the words on a screen, but on the people, on yes. the people, <laughs> on the people who create the great games that we love. Exactly. Uh, so also chat, drop in the chat if you have any questions uh, for Peter. And uh, Peter, I, I'm curious to get us to get us started. Um, why don't you tell us a, a little bit about the history of, of Cardboard Alchemy and, and, and how that sort of came sure. to be for everybody watching? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I started Cardboard Alchemy in 2020. It's a great year to start a company. <laughs> um, great year. <laughs> great year. Um, with my uh, good friend, Brad Brooks, who I had worked on. I, w- I worked on games with Brad. Um, I worked at Breaking Games for a while as their head of development. And uh, at Breaking Games, I worked on like 30 or 40 games, two of which were wow. Brad's games. I made, uh, Brad had published, uh, we published Letter Tycoon, and we published Rise of Tribes. And we had a lot of fun doing those games. And uh, the last one I worked on at Breaking Games was um, Dwellings of Eldervale. And it was a big, huge project. And I thought, and I ran a lot of that project. And I thought, you know, I could do this on, I could, I could do this on my own. I love Kickstarter. So I, I asked Brad and surprisingly he said, yes, I was, I was like, you know what we're, we're going to do, right? We're going to start a Kickstarter company focused. Cardboard Alchemy is focused entirely on crowdfunding. Cool. And we started our first one with trying to build the community by saying like, we believe in really great components and we believe in really great art. So we did like an intro campaign where we made coasters and we worked with game tries just to kind of say like, this is what we want to do. Um, and then in 2020, during the election, another fine choice that we made, <laughs> uh, we launched our first game, which was called Mission Catastrophe, which is a, uh, it's like a, there's a ship that's in space, you're all working on it and it's about to blow up and there's only one escape pod and you have to Work together to save yourself. You have to basically fix the engine with somebody and then push them out of the way and get into the one escape pod. 
which is a lot of fun. Um, that one did fine. And then we were looking for our second game. That is when we stumbled upon, we were good friends with Manny Vega. And he said, I've got this town building thing with this idea to make it with dragons. What do you think about this thing? And we fell in love immediately. So we, so we worked with um, Sadara Tang to bring Flamecraft to life. Um, following Flamecraft, we funded Andromeda's Edge, which is a callback to Dwellings. It's, it's the next evolution of that game with um, Luke Glory. And then we're taking it back towards our latest one that's coming out, or it's launching next week. So uh, Critter Kitchen is a, um, is a game with Alex Cutler and Peter C. Hayward, and again with Sundara Tang doing the illustration. So it's our fourth game. So Carpet Alchemy is very new, but we're having a blast already. Amazing. Uh, that's that, I'm just getting the link for for Critter Kitchen to put into the chat for anybody who oh, wants thanks. to uh, who wants to to go and follow, which you should because I feel like I I don't know I I think it's exceptional that that you you still say that you feel new and I guess it's 2023, but all all I mean. Flamecraft was such a massive hit. Andromeda's Edge was such a massive hit, right? Like I I for I, I think the I think it shows that you that you believe in crowdfunding and like that is your focus because like I loved I loved the campaign page for for Flamecraft. I I adored it. I loved the fun little riddles that were that were in there and it just like it it just felt fun to 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 watch and to see people be a part of and to and to even see like responses uh, to the community, they're like, "Oh, we want plushies! You get a billion plushies, right?" Um, <laughs> that's the part. That's the part I like about crowdfunding is I like the. I don't like it's basically people ask, you know, like you know how we run it, how what are we, what's our philosophy? I want to, I want to make a campaign that's the kind of campaign I would want to back. I would want to be a part of. Yeah. I want to, I want to vote on art things or talk and discuss the pieces and like at the whole part of. The community aspect of crowdfunding is really fun to me. Yeah. Um, when I see a campaign that's like, we're going to just put this up and we're not going to talk to you. I mean, I, I just, I think, wow, what a missed opportunity where, where you know, we have a chance to, um, you know, a lot of us are, we're in this niche hobby. So it's, it's um, you know, it's all about connecting when you get at the table and it's great to connect to people on the page, find out what everyone wants to make and, the Flamecraft community in particular, Sandara's fan base is amazing. They are mm-hmm. they are luckily aligned with us and in, in sort of like wanting beautiful art in their games. Not everybody cares about the art. I care a lot about the art. So it's great to meet people who are like, yes, that sounds awesome. Let's keep doing that. Um, you know? Yeah. And that's, I, you know, thinking about the campaign and what you touched on, I think is really important. The community aspect of it, right? Especially you know, in 2020 when we're all just indoors locked up and, you know, here's one way that we could connect. And through that campaign, you know, you saw a lot of people say, Hey, here's, you know, what I would like to see and blah, blah, blah. And I thought that was a really cool thing to, you know, like you said, it's community and it's connection. And I think that means a lot to people that they can, you know, they do have a voice in something that they would like to, you know, back and see become a reality. Yeah. 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 We, um, the other thing we did is on, and we did a little bit on dwellings. We did these pre-launch puzzles, which they seemed kind of dumb at the time. They seemed a little bit like, well, this is more work to do, but it has nothing to do with the game. And even Luke Laurie was working on dwellings. He's like, do we have to do these puzzles? Because they, 
they feel like they're taking away from like the development. And I'm like, yeah, the, I know the puzzles are a thing. We're going to do them and see what happens. And there was so much engagement with him that eventually he came around. He was like, actually, this is great. People are talking about game mechanisms. They're, they're discussing the, this, that, and the other. They're learning the lore of the game and they're having a fun time connecting mm-hmm. to each other. And then ever since then, I've sort of done puzzles right before each campaign. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, yeah, that makes cool. that makes sense too, and it also like it also is a great opportunity to provide uh, a chance for people to really think their way through a decision space that they may think their way through in the game, and if they enjoy that, and then they can get another another key in to if that game's like right for them, right? Yeah, yeah, we actually went a little bit too far. Mission catastrophe. We built an entire uh, <laughs> online game that you could play. Uh, that was not a good idea. Uh, we've put, peeled back, and then for Flamecraft, it was a lot of. Um, we did a lot of puzzles that were, you know, we did just seven of them, but some of them were really hard, and some of them were really easy. And that actually was really interesting because if you make them all too easy, no one actually talks to each other. So you need a couple hard ones in there so that everyone says, "All right, let's figure this out. Let's solve this together, and give me a right. hit on that one and mm. stuff like that." So. Uh, we have a question from our friend Corthane in chat. Uh, this, sure. They ask, uh, Peter, what was the one thing you desperately wanted to work or stay in while developing Flamecraft, but sadly it got cut? Oh, that's a good one. I will Great give question. you a little something. We had, originally when we were making Flamecraft, we had two expansions that we were going to launch with. And part of that was because I like something a little crunchier than Flamecraft, and I like variable player powers. And one of the expansions was focused on giving you a player power it was a new area of town, like um, sort of the courtyard or some part of town that you could go to and get a power. And then you'd, you'd take your turn. Instead of going to one of the shops, you'd go off to the courtyard, get a power, do, do some kind of exchange for points or whatever it was, but you would do something over there and you'd come back and then you'd take your turn. But now you'd have the ability, your bread did something different or your crystals did something different. I really wanted to like it, but we kept running into how much it cut out of the flow of the rest of the game. I had to accept the fact that Flamecraft isn't about variable player powers so much as I wanted it (laughs) to be so. And as a fun fact, we actually got the companion dragons from that moment. We decided to make something that had a one-time use so it wouldn't overwhelm the game, and we put that in at the very end. Yeah, I was just going to bring that up. The companions, I feel like that, like you said, that's you know born of that whole. Hey, I want something a little crunchier with the asymmetric abilities and stuff. And yeah. I think it's a really neat way to implement that. It's like, hey, here's a one-time thing, so at least you have one little different thing that you can do. Um, but yeah. it, like you said, it doesn't you know affect the overall gameplay. Right, and I did. We tried. A lot of people bring up the fact that why don't the dragons all do something different? And believe me, we tried that. <laughs> so yeah. it was like. I had to scan the entire board. It's like, okay, that bread dragon brings in, does this, and then this plant dragon actually, you know, does a conversion right. of that. It, it was like, an, it was a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. But I, I understand the interest because that's what I, that's where we started. Like, let's make every dragon do something different. Oh my god. Yeah, well. the amount, the amount that you have to track at the end of the game in terms of figuring <laughs> out like what's going on. It's yeah, yeah, that would be wild. Too much. Too much. Yeah. And that's, yeah, what I, yeah. that's what I really appreciate about Flamecraft, too, because it's really easy to jump into it, right? It's very, you know, accessible and approachable. Number one, because of the theme, right? Super cute. But also the gameplay, it's really streamlined and you can, you know, jump right into the play. But as the game develops, you know, with all the new shops that come out, it gets a little more, 
you know, there's a few more things to think about. And I really like that arc in the game. And then when it ends, it, it always feels like it never outstays its welcome, right? It's like the perfect ending. So, uh, yeah, I want to say hi to all our new followers and subscribers. Thank you, folks. <laughs> Don't forget, if you subscribe, you can subscribe for free using your Amazon Prime account. And if you do that, mm -hmm. you got all kinds of goodies here on the channel, including um, a discount on Rotto merch and access to exclusive Rotto run-through videos. So be sure to uh, subscribe Ooh. if you can. Yeah, I, I mean, if you have an Amazon Prime account, you know you have one. You know you have one. <laughs> and you can take money out of Jeff Bezos' pockets. What, what more do you need? Exactly. I think there was an exclusive uh, Critter Kitchen preview that was shown to people who are... Oh, folks, yeah. see that? On the, in, the, in the special, yeah. the special yeah. subscriber bonus. Yeah. If you subscribe, there folks, you, you, get, you can be one of those people to enjoy that right now. Uh, we got our friend Imagine Eric asking a question. Are there puns in the upcoming Critter Kitchen? Please tell me there are puns. <laughs> <laughs> there are. I don't know how we ended up with the you know puns happening, but we we yes we have puns again in Critter Kitchen. It's <laughs> it's not the same designer. So Manny Vegas, the designer of Critter, is a designer of Flamecraft and loves his puns. And this time, Alex Cutler and Peter C. Hayward. Alex is the pun the punny one. So Alex is like, oh, I've got all these ideas. Um, and so one of the one's strongest areas that he decided to get into is that all of the celebrity restaurateurs, which are your executive chefs, it's a player power thing that you can add. Um, so if you're playing, you can play as Anthony Bourdain and you can be Martha <laughs> Stewart or nice. you can be, you know, oh, those, all these celebrity chefs. I love it. Those are very good. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's so it. many of those that I think it's going to be a lot of fun for people to be like, not only is this power fun, but I'm also really digging to play like Jamie Oliver and stuff like that. So. <laughs> yeah. I love That's it. really good. <laughs> Peter, um, Peter Hayward, I think, is in the chat who said, How many Peters on a project is too many? Oh, yeah. Hi, Peter Hayward in chat. <laughs> uh, we also That's have funny. a comment from our friends, Crafting Kingdoms, who are sponsoring today's episode, said, We're running mm -hmm. a giveaway in a board game group on Facebook, and we asked if you could transport into the world of any board game which one would it be and why and flamecraft is tied with another game in first place yeah flamecraft is definitely on my short list of worlds um i would like to travel in in, in board games that's but, a good choice yeah what a, well yeah. so many yeah so many board game worlds are filled with uh death and gloom and destruction <laughs> right? and dragons <laughs> right uh, I would much rather go to the friendly dragon place with Flamecraft than the dwellings of Elderville place where everybody has a dragon and they're going to burn <laughs> yeah. my face off if I step right. in the wrong province. Exactly. Yeah. Like I want to go to the bakery. Sensible choice. <laughs> I want to go to the bakery critical roles. Come on. I mean, that's like the best right? thing ever. I want to go there, have some, you know, some fresh sourdough yeah. bread and uh, enjoy my time there. Yeah. It's right. um it's it's funny cuz the original drawing that Sandara had she also had a class of dragons that did all forging. Uh, we turned them into the iron dragons but they made weapons. She was thinking of an RPG setting and so there was going to be swords and shields and things. Right. Okay. Um eventually we we were making uh some art for that and it just felt like that was coming out of nowhere. It was um so we cut all of the we actually also had the potion dragons were making like, you know, alchemy bottles and whatnot. And then we just switched straight to coffee and tea. It just became like, okay, let's get all of that edge out of the world. Yeah. Um, so that became, so it's a world that I, I guarantee would be safe. It, it'd be like, you'd be yeah. stuck <laughs> with parties going on all the time. You know, people are just having a wonderful time. <laughs> 
Uh, Chris, yeah. I thought for sure your answer would be you would go into the world of Dutch Blitz. <laughs> you know? Oh yeah, all the all the Dutch uh, running around just <laughs> throwing themselves on top of their family members. Right. Uh, I just think that would be a very odd, an odd world to exist in. You see the yellow family, and man, it is bad to be the number one, the head of that household, because you have to flop down on the ground and have everybody else just jump on you. Uh, that that I think might be the passing of the torch. In the, right. in the Dutch Blitz world, the generational uh, transference—that's uh, what it is. <laughs> totally. Uh, Sale that just uh, resubscribed. Thank you, friend, for the resub. Uh, they also Thanks, said Sam. that uh, Chris goes into Night Cage. They thought that's true. That would be that would be the most horrifying place. Oh man, to be yeah, in. the world the that, one, that sure. artwork is so scary. Like it is creepy. It's the, the, scariest thing and everywhere you step you just fall into a pit of madness and yeah. you cannot escape yeah that would be the worst place to be and i can't think of a better place to be than flamecraft because i can just think about how how nice it is like how yeah. calm it is maybe another sort of cooking game you know oh like just well but but it, it's it would have to be a fully realized world i'm just thinking of like the dim sum game where I could just eat dim sum oh, for the rest Steam of up. my life. Yes. <laughs> but like, oh, but also yes. you've got that in Flamecraft and you've got a more, you've got right? a much uh, more refined palette. You know, you've got so many options of places. Well, to I was eat. actually going to say, and in Critter Kitchen, what we're doing is the whole point of the game is that you're a restaurant and you're cooking up during restaurant week, you're making all these dishes for the town and then you're serving up a famous critic that's coming and wants to taste a seven course meal I was thinking about how great it would be to be the critic in that scenario. You're like, let me yeah. just go to everyone's restaurant. Actually, playing that game uh, makes you pretty hungry. <laughs> um, it's good stuff. Yeah, nice. it definitely, definitely would be dangerous in any kind of cooking world game. Um, but yes, I would want to be there. Yeah, for sure. Agreed. I think I, I'm thinking of another like very chill place. I, I wouldn't mind being in board games is Dorf Romantic, the, um, oh, the yeah. board game foundation. That's very calm oh, yeah. and. You know, you got a little train it's going idyllic. around. Got boats and lots of land. Yep. I think it'd be nice. Yeah, yeah, okay. It's starting to stretch stretch my mind out. Takenoko could be nice, just pan oh, yeah. farming yeah. with yeah, the pandas. But, but then it's just it's all that it's all that labor, right? It's just the physical labor if you do a farming <laughs> game. I was like, well, viticulture, you're just drinking wine. No, you're making the wine. Yeah. And somebody yeah, else's yeah. mama and papa is slurping yeah. that down. Yeah. You gotta step on those grapes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Takenoko would be. Oh, you know what? I I think uh, Tokaido would be the one because you're literally going on vacation. Just you're just yeah. going on vacation, going on yeah, vacation, going on eating, journey. buying souvenirs. You know, I, I I think I can handle that. Yeah. No, there's a farm in that one. You got to go and earn your three coins at the farm. Oh yeah, that's no. uh, too, much. Yeah. too much, too much labor, <laughs> too much labor. <laughs> Oh, oh yeah, Peter funny. Hayward does say viticulture is set in the real world. I, I suppose that's true. It's like, hey, what board game world do you want to live in? The real world, <laughs> the real where world. I have to work and I can't play board games. <laughs> yeah, if you want to live in the world of Takedo, just go on vacation in Japan. I was actually going to say that Josh totally. Woods' Let's Go to Japan is actually a little bit more on the nose then. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah Wonderful yeah. game. And yeah, I would... Have, have either of you been to Japan? I've been to Japan once, and it was incredible. It was... I've never been. Yet. Yeah. It was gorgeous. I was tr I was trying to learn Japanese, um, but uh, I, really? I got to the hiragana. I was doing it on Duolingo, 
then I did Hiragana, and then oh. they're like, oh, by the way, there are two more alphabets you have to learn. And I was like, oh, come on. <laughs> this is, they're like, yeah, you, know that, you know that language you just spent all that time learning? Yeah. And that alphabet you spent learning? That's for babies. That's for little babies. Not just use the kanji. I was like, oh, I'm, a, I'm just a little baby. <laughs> Magic Eric That's says, uh, creature comforts would be a nice one. Yeah, that, I, I like that oh, one yeah. as well. That's a good call. Mm -hmm. That is a good call, yeah. yeah. All the cute meeple worlds yeah. would probably be fine. Yeah, yeah. Certainly not the death and destruction ones. That's for <laughs> right. sure. I was gonna say like because my my brain was like cute meeple worlds, trying to think of more. I was like Isle of Cats. I was like now you're trying to cram yourself into a ship. I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe it's good. Maybe it's not. Yeah. Yeah. Like be um, careful what you wish for. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, I was scoping out if my cat was gonna come and sit on my head, but he's he's calm, so oh, we're okay. okay. We're okay <laughs> for now. Uh, we've got a Ruel Ranks request from the Sea Otter. Uh, so, folks, Ooh. as the Sea Otter is done, you have Rado channel points that you can spend on all kinds of things. And last week we did, or last time we did a this or that, I believe, in a top three. I think we got together two weeks ago, wasn't it, Chris? I, I did a solo. Yeah, one. I think so. Yeah, I did a solo yeah, yeah, stream two last weeks ago. Week. Yeah. Uh, but we will save uh, the Ruel Ranks because we have a pretty big show today. We've got, we're doing our top 12. Uh, innovative worker placement games, folks. And Richard's going to be joining us through the magic of video. Uh, so we'll we'll hold off on Ruel Ranks <coughs> for another time, but thank you for that, Seattle. And thank you for the follow, Henshi, as well. Um, let's continue here, though. We've got, uh, I'd say, about 15 minutes or so uh, before we can jump into the list. Uh, Peter, you know, Flamecraft, uh, you, do you want to talk a little bit about what's coming up for Cardboard Alchemy with Critter Kitchen? Sure, absolutely. I'd love to talk about it. Um, we are launching Critter Kitchen next Tuesday. Holy cow. Wow. Um, <laughs> uh, it's always like this roller coaster when you're making a Kickstarter. It's like there's there's definite highs and lows. Uh, we're very excited by it. Um, there's um, We've been working really hard on it. Um, Alex and Peter and also our dev team is... We're, we, we took this very... like It's a simple core game. So like I said, you're a re you're, you own a restaurant. You are... Uh, trying to impress a celebrity critic that's coming at the end of a three-day period, basically. And you're shopping. You're getting all the ingredients. You're using, like, chefs to go out to the fish market really early in the morning to get the best fish. And so there are all these locations that you need to send your staff to to get the best stuff, not only for the critic, but also for these <clears throat> challenges that may come up. You know, <clears throat> if you're cooking against, like, Bobby Flay or something, you got to bring it. So you're 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 making this. Uh, by, by the way, in the game, he's Bobcat Flay. So you know. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> you are you've got so these perfect. different ingredients types, and you've got three different chefs. So workers, since we're talking about worker placement ga uh, games mm -hmm. today, you have a mouse, a lizard, and a boar. And the mouse is the fastest, so can grab that fish right away, or grab whatever you need to grab, but can only take one thing home from the market. And the lizard is slower, can take two, and then the boar is the slowest. Gets out of bed late, barely makes it there, but can grab three. So if no one else is there, the boar can like sweep it all, take it. So you are simultaneously prepping where you're going to go with your three workers while everyone else is doing the same thing. It's a little bit of a Princess Bride moment here where you're like, okay, so I know Chris wants that wine and I want that wine, but of course he's going to know that I want that wine. So when then, you know, you, you outthink yourself because then all of a sudden you flip over your three cards and nobody goes to get that wine. You know, yeah. like fantastic every, choice with the wine in front of me, in front of you, in front of me. <laughs> exactly. 
So you you have that, and you do that for seven rounds. Basically, you have challenges on round three and six, and then round seven is you're trying to impress the critic, where you serve just one item of each of the seven courses. Um, there's spices that can change it up. There's rumors, which could also be some uh, secrets about the celebrity uh, critic that you can find out. Um, there is these extra chefs that you can hire called, this is the best pun, since someone was asking about puns, they're called zoo chefs. So they are all these animals of different types. So there's, there's, you could go hire like a giraffe or you could get like, a, you know, a fox or a panda or whatever it is. And that creature has a carrying capacity that's a, akin to one of your three types, your, your main chefs. But it also has a power and there are all sorts of fun powers to get. And they only last one round. So you can either like, oh, I have to go get that best cheese or, oh, I got to go hire the owl to help me out next round. Um or I got to focus on getting spices, or I got to go run over here and hear what they're whispering about the critic. So there's a lot of, uh, it's a fast paced, everyone pro, uh, does their turn at the same time. So it goes really smoothly and fast. And then you're just like, let me flip over my cards and find out how crazy that went, you know, whether I got what I wanted or not. Cool. Yeah. I love Zoo Chef. You, you had me at Zoo Chef, Peter. That, <laughs> that might have been why, uh, that's one of the reasons why I might have signed it. I was like, that's just too cute. I was a Zoo Chef. Right? <laughs> um, nice. You know, you, you had me at Boar. I mean, I think yeah. I think we do this list again in, an, in another year, and Critter Kitchen could for sure be vying for it in oh, terms absolutely. of like, I love that. I love that staggered uh, nature of the workers, right? It's that push your luck of, do I put out my slow worker to get yep. the full feast or like the, I love ranking workers, workers with like variable mm -hmm. strengths yes. to them yeah. uh, is always like really exciting to me. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, Moonshine yeah. Jug says, got to play it at Essen this year with Rosie. Fantastic game. I wonder if there'll be deluxe components. They ask. <laughs> that is all we do here. <laughs> uh, yeah. I wonder. I mean, we I mean, that's the part of the magic of crowdfunding and why we focused on it is it is this ability to take games to the next level, whether or not that's what everyone wants to, is, is a question. So what we like to do, and we certainly did it on Flamecraft, is we offer sort of the standard edition that you can come right in and say, listen, I just want the gameplay. I just want to have fun. I don't need it to go all crazy. But of course, we try and make that version as blinged out as we can. So like on Flamecraft, we put that 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 neoprene mat right there and then oh we yeah the, yes. the roll-up one love the, so yeah cool. so we really try to make sure that the standard version is still going to be deluxe in and of itself and give you a lot of content but then of course we're going to go okay what else could we do um you know with coins and this that and the other and game trays and and uh going nuts um 100 yeah this particular one doesn't have um minis in it so it's our first campaign to not have minis mm, cool. um for better or worse, you know, but it's, but it, but it has all these custom wooden maples that are already silk screened out of the gate, which is great. Awesome. Um, yeah, so it's gonna have a, a lot of fun to to play with those. I love this comment from Magic Eric. Is there a Fly Fieri taking the critters to Flavor Town? <laughs> oh man, there is a stretch goal featuring Guy. He is Guy Bieri, so he's got a bear theme to him. Love it. Uh, it's gonna be fun, yeah. It's gonna Love be. Got it. We gotta unlock guy, uh, so we definitely, you definitely need your help to unlock him. So yeah, there it is, folks. One of my um, I'm dropping the uh, link in chat right now. Uh, thanks to our guests, uh, 
Peter from Cardboard Alchemy. Click the link right there for um, sign up to be notified when they go live next week, folks. Uh, Thank over you. There on Kickstarter. Um, appreciate it. Yeah. And appreciate you, Peter, for hanging out and letting us know a little bit more about yourself and Cardboard Alchemy. Um, so we're going to move on to the next part of the show, folks. We've got a big one this week. We've got our top 12 mm-hmm. innovative worker placement games. And uh, Peter, Chris, and myself will be sharing ours live here. And as you will see, Richard joined us through uh, the power of video. Uh, so we've got 12 great games we're going to talk about. And as we do this, <coughs> obviously we're live here on Twitch. Well, we're recording this for YouTube, so we won't be interacting uh, with uh, viewers. But if there's you know tech issues or whatever, just shout them out in chat. Let us know. And um, if anyone raids us, also please let us know. Um, and we'll you know, we'll, we'll we'll continue the show, but we'll give them a shout out in chat. Um, but before we get going, I forgot to do this last week, folks, and I was really bummed out that I didn't do it. But for those of you here in chat, you get to do a battle royale, so you all get to fight to the death. And gain points, and if you want an avatar, folks, hit that subscribe button, and you'll get your own avatar, which is being dropped here right now. And that's true. We've we've got a very light uh, battle royale happening yeah. right now. So, so got your good chances of, of achieving soul glory and getting Rado points. I think you get Rado points if you win, mm-hmm. right? You I think do. you probably. Oh do, no, you get a hundred gold redeem. points to spend on your character. Oh, that's even better. You can bling <laughs> out your character because the, the, to the victor go the spoils. Exactly. So what do we that's have what here? It is. I don't know who's winning or who's... Corthane's there. I see Corthane. Corthane's there as long as Andrew Scott doesn't win. Agreed. That's all I care about. Same. Andrew Scott seems to win uh, a, a strange amount of times and Andrew Scott is still alive. And it's the sea and, honor. Uh, Oh, come on, Sea Otter. Come on, you're sea my otter. only for, hope. Do it for the public. You're my only hope. Yes. Yes. <laughs> That's how you do it. That's fantastic. Sea Otter, you get oh. points to spend on your character. Feel free to level up. And, folks, if you want your own character, be sure to hit that subscribe button. And if you have Amazon Prime, you get to subscribe for free for one month. So there you go. That is um, the end of the Battle Royale. We've taken care of all the important stuff now. Now we can go hang out and talk about games, which we're going to do right now. Um, just as a heads up, let me make sure we've got this scene. Hey, there's a little spoiler. That's going to be the next scene. Uh, we have a sponsor this week. Uh, I want to thank our friends at Crafting Kingdoms who are sponsoring this uh, episode. And what we're going to do is Richard actually recorded a little um, video that's going to start at the show. It's going to take about five minutes. He's going to talk about you know the, the product that we're um, hyping up. And so... Uh, Peter and uh, Chris and myself. We'll just hang out in the background while this goes on. But wait, but first, Chris, why don't we give away uh, some PAX Unplugged tickets? We're giving away PAX Unplugged tickets. Yes. Okay, there's your announcement. Here we go. We've got Richard on video. He's going to give away tickets right now. Okay, everybody, it is time to give away those PAX Unplugged tickets. Thanks for everybody who uh, did their best to find the secret words. Yes, I know. Chris hates all of you with a passion, apparently. I don't know why he wanted to make you so miserable. But, folks, if you found both secret words in both prior episodes, you are entered twice. If you look closely, you'll see a lot of double names on the list. Let's spin it. Let's get that wheel of name going and see who comes out on top. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, 
you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. All righty, here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go. All right, Christina Dela Cruz, you did the work, you heard both, and you are the winner. I'll be sending you an email after this. Congratulations, and uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Yes, I know, Chris is a monster. All right, back to you guys. <laughs> Chris is a monster, as Rado said, making people work for that secret word. Congrats to Christina Dela Cruz. You are going to pack some plug, friend, and we will see you there. Um, there's awesome. no collusion. It's it's Christina, not Christopher. So it, it's okay. There you go. <laughs> okay. So uh, that bit. Oh, now um, that's you've got your Pax Unplugged tickets, friends. We will see you there in December. But now, yeah. right now, we are going to be recording. Oh yeah, <laughs> there it is. Yeah, <laughs> the magic of the internet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good. Thanks, Andu Pixel. That was. That's it. <laughs> that's brilliant. I need to get this. I need to get on Facetime. Uh, okay. Chris, Peter, how are we feeling? Are we ready to go? Oh, yeah. Let's get into the list. Okay, let's yeah. do this. So yeah. we're going to go to Rado's intro. We have about five minutes, and then we'll come on the screen here. We'll do the intro, and then we'll jump right into it. I believe, uh, Chris, do you have the first game? I... No, no, Peter does. So Peter's going to be number 12, yeah. Chris 11, and, and cool. so forth. So we'll start with Peter. Okay. And, um, okay, here we go. Uh, folks, thank you again for watching, and let's get to the intro. Hey everybody, this week's R&R and R is brought to you by Crafting Kingdom and their Board Game Gear Essentials line. And now, it was about a year ago that I covered this, the Adventurer Board Game Bag. And folks, I love this thing so much, I held on to it. I said, no, I'm not sending it off to another channel for more coverage, because this thing has been halfway across the continental United States with me and back. Jen and I, we use this on our trip down to Arizona and back. They're so versatile. There is so much storage. Pockets for days. Really fun designs. It comes with a lot of different customizable uh, colors and you know patterns you can get emblazoned on it. Again, pockets and pockets and pockets galore, and so much variety. You can turn this thing into a backpack or an attache case, or an over-the-shoulder thing. I was really blown away, and we have found a lot of uses for it. But today, folks, I'm here for something new. It's time for the Adventure Bag Mark II. Boom! Here we go. Now, it's the same basic idea. Tons of pockets. Everything is padded all the way around, so all your precious games are kept safe inside. Um, again, with all the different hooks all over the place, so you can carry this any number of ways, including an exciting new way I'll get to in a minute. Also, it's still got this brilliant thing for people who are prone for wanting to use uh, player mats and bring them around. You can just strap them onto the side with these little things. Absolutely fantastic. And again, so much storage space. But let's actually look at some of the new features of this new version. Let's see here. There we go. 
Boop. First of all, they've actually completely changed the interior. It is now um, fleece lined, I believe, which means you don't have to worry about anything getting scratched up or whatnot. It's just extra protected inside. But more importantly, it then allows for these Velcro-based, uh, dis- um, what do you call them, dividers. So you can uh, mix and match things, have small things in one space, big things in another space. It's really, really smart. A big, big improvement. While still, more and more space. Folks, um, there's a link up in the top right corner of the screen or a link down in the show notes if you want to watch my run-through where I pulled out a convention's worth of games in one of these bags. That hasn't changed at all. It's just the quality of it has changed significantly um, with that new interior lining and the dividers for folks who like to keep things organized. But that's only half of what's new here. What else is exciting? Well, here's the deal, folks. If you're like me, you're going to be inclined to stuff this thing so full of games that, yeah, even though it's got all these comfortable straps all over the place, had to go grab them. They're nice and padded and, again, give you so much flexibility. What's really cool about this, I've never seen this in another board game back in another bag, period. There is an additional accessory you can get. You can turn this thing into luggage. You can get this separately um, and, you know, it comes with five wheels, really solid and sturdy, very easy to just lift the arm up like this and uh, when you're done with it, you just lift these up and it flips back down. But anyway, flip it up, it locks into place, and here's the deal. Oh, so smooth. So silky smooth. On the back of the bag, there are Velcro linings on the top and the bottom that turn this into a gigantic strap that can just very easily slip right over this and turn a standalone bag into an easy-to-move-around uh, piece of luggage with you know your typical extended thing. I'm going ahead and give you a different angle as I try to put this thing together for you. Um, boop. Hey, here we are. Alrighty, so hi. Let's try this. Okay, we just basically take it. Use the, uh, you know, lift up that, slip it over, and boom. Reach in on the top. Ta-da! Look at this. This is so cool. It just, and you know, that really high quality wheels that just move around really nice. This is not one of those squeaky wheel type uh, pieces of luggage that you might have been embarrassed by moving through the airport and whatnot. This is a really, really big upgrade. A real game changer, quite frankly, in the world of board game bags. And it's going to be crowdfunding this month. So if you want to check it out, there's a link for it down in the show notes. And by the way, folks, it's not just the new Mark II adventure bag with all of these extra features, they're bringing back the player mats with LED strips. Alexa, lights off. I love this thing. You can see, where's the button? Where's my button? There we go. So you can uh, cycle between the different colors, uh, the Tron color particularly striking, or you can have a little laser light show around your uh, uh, board or your table if you want. Um, yeah, so I've been using this thing since last year. You see it in every one of my videos. It has held up. Alexa, lights on. I have had pl- Alexa, lights on. 
I'm telling you. I have had version or you know other player mats because you know I tend to go with this all black that over time you start getting scuffs and whatnot. This thing has been used and abused for a year and it still is making no marks. A very, very high quality mat with all kinds of different um, you know, colors and designs and sizes to meet your needs. So this is available for crowdfunding again. But more importantly, so is this big bad boy. And uh, they're all available for you right now, folks. Uh, like I said, links are down in the show notes if you would like to know more. And uh, that is it. And so now, on with the show. Wow, that was incredible. Uh, folks, welcome to the r and r show. Welcome my name is Rio Gaviola, and uh, joined today, as always, by my co-host, Chris George. Right. Chris, how the heck are you, friend? Hi, how's it going? This is a great start to the show. I'm like, my, I had to pick my jaw up off the floor. Like, right. just seeing those, they, those look really freaking cool. Yeah. So, and, and, the, and the storytelling that Richard brought forward and being like, well, wait, there is more. Check this out. Check this out. I was like, I never want this channel to end. I forgot that we were doing a show. Like that that is the mindset that I'm in right now. I'm like, yeah. what in the heck and heck? That looks really cool. So. Uh, but yeah, welcome to the show. Welcome to the R and R and R and Varn show. That's right, because we got our special guest, Peter Vaughn from Cardboard Alchemy. I guess I could have said card. Yeah. That's what I should have done. Anyway, welcome. <laughs> welcome, Peter. <laughs> Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, we're excited to have you here. Uh, folks, Cardboard Alchemy, as you know, the a big hit Flamecraft. Um, and also, we've got a game coming. They've got a game coming up real soon on uh, Kickstarter. Peter, you want to give a quick pitch for what's coming soon? Sure. On October 24th, it's Critter Kitchen, which is a very fun game. Designers uh, Alex Cutler, Peter C. Hayward, and the artist from Flamecraft, Sandara Tang, is joining us. It's a world where <clears throat> animals are running their own restaurants. You have a restaurant. You're trying to send your chefs out, big, small, and medium chefs, to grab ingredients and impress a celebrity critic coming at the end of the game. They want a seven-course meal from your restaurant. So it is a lot of fun as you plan out where you're going to go and then find out how many, you know, whether you can get what you want or you got to, you know, find different things to do. Um, yeah, we're having a lot of fun with it. So yeah. Critter Kitchen is coming up next. Cannot <clears> wait. <throat> yeah. So October 24th, folks, be sure to hit the um, links below in the show notes for more information. Also, click on the links below to find the extended edition of the r and show. We actually talked to Peter for a while, got to know him better. We talked all kinds of fun stuff. So be sure to click that because... Not only do you get the pre-show, you also get the post-show. And what we're doing today are the top 12 most innovative worker placement games. We're going to share 12. Uh, Peter's got some. Chris's got some. I've got some. And Richard's got some as well. And then afterwards, again, just in the extended edition, you're going to be able to hear more choices that uh, didn't make the cut. So having said that, why don't we jump right into it? We're going to start with number 12. And uh, Peter, we're gonna. You're the guest. You get the honors, my friend. You're right. gonna go first with the game of your choice, number twelve. I'm excited. Uh, first of all, I just gonna say I love the worker placement category and the way that this sort of started too, is that uh, Rada was talking about how uh, Flamecraft has a, a little bit of worker placement to it, and also Critter Kitchen has a little bit of worker placement to it. So what what do I find innovative about worker placement? One of the things that I think is great is when workers can change or be different from the other workers. I, I, I don't want just 12 of the same worker. So there's this great game called Chimera Station, which is developed by Mark Manger, um, uh, designed by Mark Manger. He's so 
uh, clever, and he has this idea where you're on the space station and you can grab claws or tentacles or a big brain, and you can decide that your worker is going to be different. The way that you, um, you know, you can if you get the plant arms, you don't have to feed yourself. You know, that whole feeding your workers thing, you can get that out of the way. But Or you can be more efficient with another type. You can focus your workers in one way or make everyone diverse. And I think that's that's one of the aspects I think that makes Chimera Station so great. But the other one to me is also somewhat of the expandable board. So you don't start with very many locations. And by the end, because I actually uh, worked a lot with Mark, and it used to be seven rounds, and he had to cut it to five because you're exponential choices when you get to round five are already like so many possibilities so i think it's really innovative for just the the breadth and options that it brings to worker placement mm. i love those unique workers especially cool. yeah it's it's been a while since i've played this i played this many years ago and i really do and now we're watching uh, richard play he's got legos on there obviously this is an early prototype <laughs> of the game <laughs> i'll never forget the it's like little like space creatures right they're super cute yeah uh the yeah. workers and yeah it's been a while since i played but i do remember liking it a lot i don't know why i, I think the, uh, my friend who had the copy that would go to game night, he stopped coming to game night. Um, I think he moved away or whatever. So he took away our copy that we used to play. So unfortunately, oh. I haven't been able to play it yet. But I do remember how much I enjoyed this uh, game, Chimera Station. Cool. Yeah, yeah. there's definitely a lot of uh, just a lot of fun in that one. Mm -hmm. I remember Rado's view, uh, videos like about 10 years ago. Yeah. So it's kind of awesome <laughs> to see that, you know. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, we we can we can place the date by the by the camera. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look at this camera just all over the place, right? <laughs> Great choice for number twelve. All right, so uh, that was number twelve on our list. Uh, let's cool. move on to Chris. What you got for us, friend? It's me. Yes. Okay. Uh, my our our collective number eleven is is a game that I I'm really happy to bring to this list because it's my only like maybe hidden more hidden gem. The other ones are are much more popular. Um, but this is one that I find uses workers in a number of innovative ways, and I'll describe it when we get maybe a video up there. It's a game called Spirium. Uh, mm. Spirium is it's on Board Game Arena for those of you who want to try it out. Uh, oh, Spirium, you will have six rounds of this sort of three by three card grid, and everybody's going to have a number of little meeples that they can put in between the spaces of the cards. So you're not putting them on the cards themselves, you're putting them in between the spaces. That's innovation number one for me. Mm -hmm. uh, and then also it has that same, uh, that flow of you, you, have, you have one stage, you can be in the first stage or you can be in the second stage. And so in the first stage, you can place workers. In the second stage, you can only retrieve workers. Mm -hmm. And so you have to time out do I really want this card? Because people can go in the same little area. People can go in the same uh, gap in between the, the cards. And, and if they do, they actually make that card much more difficult to use. Uh, so you can, when you're taking back your workers, you have to pay an additional like dollar for each other worker that's kind of contesting it. But you maybe will want that card specifically and you'll want to pull it back. In addition, you can also pull back your worker. You can put it around a spot where people are going to contend for it. And you can pull back your worker just for money. And so you would get money for all the people that are around that specific card. You pick a card and you're like, okay, all these, I'm getting money. So there's a really cool flow of do I use my workers to kind of expand my own tableau? Or do I use my workers to build up my bank? Uh, and then in addition, how many workers do I keep back 
both for accelerating my process of, of getting the cards that I want and for activating my own buildings because you also need to save workers for activating your own buildings and like you converting Spirium into points and stuff. It's, it's like a, so multi-use in terms of workers that uh, I find, I, I don't know, I think, it's, I think it's really exciting and I don't hear a lot of people talk about this at all, but I just, I just find the applications of how those workers are moved and manipulated and the strategic positioning. I really like this at two players because you can really, you can really choose uh, what what you're going to fight for and how many workers you're going to drop. Because each worker that you drop also increases the cost for somebody else, or, or increases money for you. And then just finding that flow is uh, is is really I, I find really neat. So there's a number of different cards out there. There's like buildings you can add, or they're like one time use abilities. Uh, those are the the brown ones. And then there's like patents which you can use to just give yourself like your own permanent abilities as well wow. uh, that, that apply for the rest of the game. It's really solid. Uh, I, I'd recommend trying it out on board game arena because it's on there. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I just, uh, the more I talk about it and the more I was thinking about it, I was like, Oh geez, should this have been number one? I don't know. <laughs> or my, like my personal number one, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with it making the list for sure. And so that is the game experience. That's a great choice. I've never played this game, Chris, but just based on your mm. description, I'm I really want to try it. And maybe we can play a game on Board Game Arena because I would love to yeah. ch check this out. Um, just the fact that I mean, it is innovative. Like I've never seen a worker placement game where you're putting workers between cards, you know, rather than on top. And I thought that's really fascinating. It almost reminds me of another worker placement game, Targi, where I mean, you actually oh, yeah. put the workers on the cards but then you're like sort of lining up the grids and then that's wherever those line up that's where you take the yeah. action so Tar targi is great that'd be a definite yeah honorable i yeah. love targi but spirium oh, i, this I so thought cool. you might put targi on your list Ruel, yeah i know you love it so much I, it was it was a really tough one for me to this, this list i love worker placement games so this list was tough um question is spirium still in print or is can you only play it on bga um, I don't know. I got my copy secondhand uh, okay. because a, a buddy of mine had a copy, and then I saw it on Kijiji, and I was like, "Yeah, I, I want one too." Yeah, uh, I don't. I, I'm not sure as to the print status, to be honest with you. And I should have looked that up beforehand. But uh, yeah, no worries. Um, I'll look that up yeah. at some point. Great and write choice. it in the comments, maybe. <laughs> so, um, Sparium, very nice. Yeah, now I'm, I'm, I mean, there are so many games we could have put on this list, and it was really tough for me personally to oh, yeah. narrow it down, but. Um, for our next one, our shared uh, list here, number 10 on our shared list. For me, this one had to be on here because this is probably my wife Michelle's favorite uh, worker placement game. And um, I was she wasn't really into worker placement. And I was so surprised when she really liked this game that I'm going to talk about number 10. It is Raiders of the North Sea. Now, mm, nice. typically, yeah, this theme, Michelle's not into Vikings and going out on rampages and doing all the things Vikings do. And... She'd like some uh, work placement like Stone Age, but I feel like this is a really cool um, entry level or introductory game. And what I liked about this the most, and I feel like this is probably, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like this is the game that sort of put Shem Phillips on the map, right? He had done a few things before, shipwrights of North Sea and whatnot, but Raiders, really, that whole, it's a very simple twist on worker placement. You place a worker, then you take one off. So you place a worker, do that action. Then from another spot, you take the worker off and do that action. And just that simple twist, it was really cool. And I remember my friends and I really loved that. And 
the different workers they have, they're stronger. You know, we, we're talking about different levels of workers. So I think, I don't know if it's the white ones that are stronger, so the black ones that are also gray ones, but it depends on where you go. So you obviously start off on the lower um, level workers, turn in resources, get those workers. And then when you have enough resources and the right type of worker, you can go to a higher level and like, you know, pillage of uh, pillage a village or whatever it is. Really cool design, very clever. Um, and again, it's a great entry-level game, but you add the expansions and all of a sudden it's like, whoa, you know, Shell Phillips is not messing around anymore. You add these some of these expansions, it really, you know, adds to the depth of the game. I really enjoyed that. Now, he went on to, you know, continue uh, all kinds of worker places. And I don't, you know, I, it, it was, I had to go with Raiders of the North Sea just because it, I played it the most of all of them. But stuff like Architects mm -hmm. of the West Kingdom, I really love. Paladins of the West Kingdom. That one made my brain explode, but in a good way. It was really, you know, it was a deeper game, but I really enjoyed it. But for me, Raiders of the North Sea, it's always going to have a special place in my heart. That's why it's our number 10 on the list, Raiders of the North Sea. Yeah, great pick. Great pick. I feel like I feel like anything from Shem Phillips could could be on this list, honestly. Like I feel I feel his <clears throat> modus operandi in designing games is kind of like let's do worker placement, but with a twist on it. Oh yeah, and that's kind <laughs> of that's kind of the subject of this list, right? Yeah, totally. uh, in terms of architect, the cascading workers there, mm -hmm. um, yeah. and then and then paladins, the sort of like tableau building or yep. viscounts, where you have your one like main one going around. Yeah, the Rondell. Uh, yeah. I think I think I got those. Yeah, that's I always get the two names confused. I always get the names confused, but. Yeah. Um, I always yeah, I could never figure out how to say Viscounts. I thought it was Viscounts, like discounts, but apparently mm. it's Viscounts. So, <laughs> um, Peter, when you're you know when you're um, looking at these games, I mean, are there just the different twists on worker placement? Do you sort of like put that uh, you know file these away as you're looking you know to, as in future designs? Like, hey, maybe I'll come back and do a twist on the twist or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I think that like um, when at one point I was signing uh, Rise of Tribes, which was by Brad Brooks, and it had a twist on that play. That wasn't worker placement, but it had this dice twist where you were using um, you had two dice and you had to push into a dice row. And I definitely think that you are looking for those games that have something different because we've seen a lot of the same thing. And um, I think that's why you see a lot of hybrids now, where it's worker placement and something else because it's a way to freshen it up. Um, but yeah, I love all the Shem Phillips uh, ways of twisting it for sure. Agreed. Okay, mm -hmm. let's see what Richard's got for us via the magic video. Richard, take it away. Hey guys, hey Peter, welcome to the party, pal. And oh, good choices so far. Uh, you know, a Chimera Station, Spirium, Chris, Peter. Let me tell you why I agree with you so much. This is actually the third time I have attempted a list like this on the channel. Back in 2014, I did my first top 10 worker placement games, which was me focusing on innovation above all else and coming up with new ideas. Then I revisited the list in 2019 because there was so much more to talk about. And now here we are in 2023 and Peter, I don't know, maybe you can talk about this as a developer yourself, known for innovative worker placement. But the thing is, I would think, seeing as how worker placement is maybe the most common, most ubiquitous mechanism in modern designer Euro-style games, it's everywhere. I would think over time, you folks would start running out of ideas and it would get tougher and tougher to reinvent. But if anything, it has become harder to make this list every time, not because I'm having a harder time finding new ideas, but because there are so many ideas and I have to limit myself, list style. And anyway, Chimera Station and Spirium, they both made my earlier lists. I think they're both phenomenal 
awesome examples of how uh, you know what started out with bus has grown and uh, flourished. But also, Ruel, I was shocked. I went back and looked, and somehow Raiders of the North Sea did not make either of my previous lists. Maybe it was a timing thing. I have to go back and look at that. But I am embarrassed because that's an obvious choice. I mean, the thing won the Kennerspiel based on its incredibly innovative approach to worker placement. So yes, of course, it belongs on the list too. So good choice. Anyway, though, folks... I'm going to tell you number nine on our list, but I just have to say this was so hard. This was so hard. My number four, my personal number four out of... I've made a top ten, right? I'm only going to tell you my three. Number nine, number five, and number one on this list are my personal top three. That's how... That's our format here on the show. But... Uh, in case Ruel or anybody the other guys haven't mentioned yet, there is an extended version of this episode. There's a link for it down in the show notes. I'll put it right next to the links to my earlier top 10 worker placement countdowns. I would suggest pausing right now, switching over to the extended edition of this show, because after we're done with this top 12 countdown, I'm going to give you my full new top 10 for 2023. I've got, in addition to the three I'm about to talk about, I've got seven other amazing titles. And it broke my heart that I could not talk about them here in the main video. So definitely check out the extended. Or, hey, if you just want to watch this, listen to it. All of the R&R&Rs make it onto the Rotto um, uh, Talks Through podcast channel, which you can listen to on any podcast platform you want. So you can check out the extended edition there, where the guys will have also talked about behind-the-scenes stuff. And anyway, though, all right. I've... Uh, I've uh, pontificated long enough. Let's just get to what you want to hear. Number nine on my list. Oh, this is so hard. And I'm, ah, but anyway, it's come together. And this game is phenomenal. I mean, there it is, right behind my head. Uh, you know, and I, 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 I love this game so much. I love the theme about trying to set up a Woodstock-esque Summer of Love major music festival, uh, you know, the presentation, the humor that's here, but all of that pales in comparison to how amazing the worker placement is. Because uh, you send your workers, which are kind of uh, roadies and whatnot, out to do one of four actions. Um, you know, building the stages, uh, you know, building the campgrounds for the attendees, uh, you know, bringing people in, all this kind of stuff. And wherever you send your worker out to one of these four different actions, you get some immediate benefit. But it's a small benefit. The main reason you send your workers out to these different areas is because you want to do one of the big four actions. The problem is, the big four actions will not activate until enough workers have been sent to that location. And so once I send my worker to a location, Suddenly, everybody else is drawn towards that location. Because once enough workers are there, boom, the massive major action will activate. So, even though this is a competitive game, players are really kind of collaborating in a lot of ways. Um, Because if I send my worker out there, and then nobody else goes there, my worker is stuck there for quite a while, and I'm waiting for it to come back. So, if nobody else is going to go to action, then i got to send more workers to supplement that original worker until such time as everybody is going to be coming uh, home. and But again, the more workers go to in a given area, the more everybody wants to go there because they just want to ride on the coattails of the work that everyone else has done. The game is brilliant. Again, super thematically strong, a really wonderful presentation, but the worker placement in this game is absolutely phenomenal. I love it to pieces. It's number nine on our combined list. 
come together. And the song is now stuck in my head. Hopefully it is for you too. I'll get right back to you guys. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Come together right now. Yeah, it's going to be stuck in my head all day, probably all week. Thank you, Richard. Um, this is a game that I've been dying to play ever since Richard mentioned it on the show a while ago because it looks really cool. I I enjoy the theme. You know, the worker placement seems interesting, but I've not been able to track down a copy. I don't know if it's still in print or whatnot. Um, have you guys been able to play it or see it or no? Yeah, I haven't seen it at all, but now I'm interested, so I'll be on the, on yeah. the hunt myself. So, yeah. yeah, when what year was it? Do you know, Ruel, or it, like when did you? When did Richard talk about it? I it, guess. it was pretty recently. Let me, uh, I'll check on BGD real quick. I All we have to do is get it off of his shelf. It's a piece of cake. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, hey yeah. Richard, there's one spot where we know it is in stock. <laughs> yeah, and that is at his house. Exactly. So let's make it, was, it happen. It was just last year, 2022, and I know he really he thought very highly of it, as you can see in this little. Uh, review there but yeah a game that we need to need to try for sure i i love everything that he talked about and it's just availability folks it's it's tough to uh track down some of these games unfortunately uh, but anyways good choice richard let's get back to our guest uh peter you're gonna bring us up to a number nine yeah, it's uh, Zulkin the Mayan Calendar, nice. which is nice. a game that definitely broke my brain the first time i saw it yeah I don't even know, as a developer and a designer myself, I was looking at that design saying, how did they think of all these moving parts? How did they put that all together? But the main thing that it does for worker placement is it has a time element. The uh, The time element is, you know, you're taking a worker placement spot, but you get to choose when you're going to take that worker off so that you can, you know, go for a bigger payout. That certainly is innovative to me. The other part of that, though, that I think is really innovative is the going out and coming back portion because you can, you can, you're, you're granted you're paying for your your workers' uh, time to go out, but you can kind of do a burst where you say, I'm going to put a bunch of people out or I'm not going to do that. I'm going to save my food. So there's, there's both the amount, the speed at which you want to go, and also the speed at which you want to pull back. And I think that time dimension to Zulkin is, it's really fascinating. Um, uh, it's a great game. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. And I'm looking at the, uh, you know, Richard, this is obviously an older video of his probably when he's still in Malta, yeah. but, um, every single person I know that owns this game, they painted the gears. Like it's just a thing <laughs> that they do, I guess. Like, I, was like, I don't have a copy. I've always, you know, it's always been friends that have it. Yeah. But every single one of them is painted. I, I think it just, it always looks beautiful to me. I, I think it's great. Yeah. I've seen yeah. some great paint jobs out of here. This is just such a phenomenal choice. This was on my honorable mentions. Yep. Um, this this was something that I thought of when I was like innovative worker placement. Oh yeah, Sulkin's yeah. like gotta be on here in some capacity, right? Yeah. Like yeah. it's just the, the that idea of waiting and like and letting the time tick tick by and the flow at which you can put things back and forth and the interaction between the different people. It's so cool. It's such a cool yeah. game. Yeah. I Have you played uh, the expansion at all, either of you? No. Mm-mm. Because it adds in like asymmetric um, 
asymmetric like powers just to start. Oh, now we're talking. Okay. Wait, yeah, wait. Exactly. Right. <laughs> better now. <laughs> yeah. I, I haven't played it either. I got it. I got it off uh, off Kijiji again. Somebody was selling it, and I was like, I love Sulkin so much. I don't ever see it like leaving the collection. Yeah. I'm like, I gotta get this in and play it. But like, even just the base game is so so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I figured uh, of one of us would put this on the list, so I'm gra- glad that uh, Peter uh, added this uh, to the list. Great game. Um, let's uh, move on. Uh, Chris, you've got uh, the next one on the list. I believe this is number seven. Yes. Uh, number, yeah, number seven. That's yeah. right. That's okay. right. I thought it was number eight, but it's not. I'm still living in Sulkin world. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm doing. Um, uh, before we do move on, I, I do want to ask uh, Peter if you had any thoughts of, of what Richard was saying in terms of like from a design standpoint, uh, the innovation yeah. that's the, that happens in the consistent innovation, especially in the worker placement space. I feel like we may have talked a little bit in the pre-show, but yeah. if we had anything to add on that thought. I ran a uh, blog actually called the League of Game Makers where people we would write articles about design and development and, and crowdfunding and publishing. And Luke Laurie, who was one of the authors of, of that, he wrote a lot of worker placement segments. They're still on the League of Game Makers. Cool. He, he did this whole deep dive into worker placement. And one, one of my favorite ones is he said, here is a list of innovations in worker placement. You can go ahead and steal these. Take any one you want. But you have to, if you take one, you have to leave one. And so that entire blog is just full of people going like, here's here's a crazy idea, and then I'm going to take this one. And someone else is going, here's another crazy idea. So so that one, wow. uh, it made me think of his comment, there are just so many ways we can keep building on right. this mechanism. That's great. I love that. Take yeah, one, cool. uh, leave one. That's perfect. <laughs> um, all right. Great. Um, Thank you for that, Peter. Uh, Chris, take yeah. it away. Yeah. So, so my number, our collective number seven is... Uh, sort of what I think is uh, somebody, uh, a design team fixing, not fixing the problem, but getting the idea of dice worker placement just like perfection. Bang nice. on right. Uh, that is the team behind Lorenzo Il Magnifico. Uh, oh, I want yes. to put Lorenzo Il Magnifico uh, in terms of here uh, because I found, and maybe other games have done this, but... I, I love the concept of, di- of dice worker placement. I love the concept of different strengths of workers. I think that's so cool. Uh, and I love that that's going to be in, in Critter Kitchen, right? Like that's what gets me fired up about it. Mm-hmm. And, and so, but I always find with the idea of dice worker placement is, well, what if somebody just rolls better? You know what I mean? What if somebody just like has a good round and somebody has a bad round? And I think this is so cool in terms of it gets all that lovely decision-making space of the dice worker placement. It gives you that that variability, that randomness, but it applies the dice to everybody's worker. So everybody is a black worker, a white worker, and an orange worker, and there's going to be a numerical value assigned to each one every round, but you don't know what that numerical value is. And, and I think that idea just makes the game so replayable uh, because of how the cards come out. It doesn't matter that you use the same cards uh, I, I find so many games are obsessed with the idea of of replayability. And Lorenzo has like a small expansion and a larger expansion too, but the small expansion where uh, it, it mixes up the cards that can come out because it has a set sort of fixed card market. You'll see the same cards every game, but you'll see them in a different order. And because of the dice worker placement, I rarely play with like mixing them up because I, I'm like... Eh, the added setup sure doesn't it, it doesn't matter because the the dice give me that replayability and, and give me that variability and and that's what I found to be so 
really cool about this game and, and the idea of applying the dice to everybody. In addition, I like, I always call, uh, this isn't in the rule book, but I, this is how I teach it, is you have your non-colored pawn. Uh, so it's a zero value pawn and it doesn't have a color in it. And uh, it's clearly the, the bastard of the family. You know, it can go <laughs> into the towers with the other colors because they're not threatened by it. That's there's a weird rule that like you can put it in a yep. tower as long as it's not with another family member, but this one pawn can go wherever it wants. I'm like, yeah, because it isn't vying for the throne, it can't get that sort of like regal status. Uh, it can go wherever it wants, and so I was just incorporating that into my teaching of it, and it just makes like thematic <laughs> sense. But um, I don't know. Yeah, I really, really, really love this game a ton, and I, I just love how the, how the dice are used and the effect that it has on the replayability and the gameplay. Yeah, great choice, and I love that you call it the bastard, the AKA the the John Snow of the uh, John Snow, <laughs> yeah, yeah. John Snow of the family. Yeah, I I love this game, Chris. I'm so glad you put it on here. I actually have thoughts on dice worker placement, but folks, did you know we do an extended version of this show? Click on the link below to hear more games that didn't make the list, and you can hear my thoughts on some dice worker placement games. Oh, dice well. worker placement's great. It's so Thank good. Thank you for yeah. one on the list. Yeah. yeah. It's really, yeah. for me, personally, it's the melding of, of two of my favorite mechanisms, worker placement and dice rolling. You know, I love chucking dice, but then you throw it in this, like, uh, El Magnifico. Oh, Chef's Kiss. Yeah. So, so good. I haven't played with the expansions, though, so it's interesting. I, I want to give that a, a shot, Chris. I have not had a chance to play with the expansions. Yeah, I just have that mini expansion. I don't have, like, the Towers expansion. And now yeah. I think they all come bundled together. There's, like, the, the Lorenzo big box. Oh, they yeah. just kind of put them all together. Uh, I, I like what the uh, bigger expansion can offer in terms of you get you can bid on advantages at the beginning of the game. Mm-hmm. And there's, like, another... There's a fifth tower with some more cards and stuff. I'm like, that's always fun. But the the, the small expansion, I was super happy to get. I think it was, like, a little Kickstarter thing. And the, the cards and the what they do are really fun. But... I just never feel the need to implement them because it just yeah. adds a little to the setup time. And I would rather keep the setup time short, have it already set up out of the gate. And then also it's a little bit meaner too. So depending on who you're playing with, yeah. I, I like I like setting up my games when I'm done with them so that when I pull them off the shelf, they're like pretty much ready to go. So any shuffling or any like setup that with dealing out cards i try to do that beforehand Mm -hmm. and so not knowing if i'm going to play with people who are okay with that meanness or don't want it i just tend to to leave it out and i've never really missed it even though i think it adds like a lot of fun uh variability i'm like man this game is just so good on its own It, it it doesn't need it yeah yeah cool yeah all right um i'm looking forward to giving it a shot but great choice uh, for our, our continued list here. Um, I'm going to move on to our number six, which is me. Uh, this game, again, it was so tough to narrow down what I wanted to uh, add to uh, the list here. And I had to add this one because I played it a lot. And y'all know I'm a solo gamer, and I appreciate a good solo game. And I thought this was a fun one solo, but it, it does shine multiplayer. But this is The Lost Ruins of Arnak. Um, this oh, game that yeah. came out a couple of years ago. What this does, innovation, again, it's really simple. All it takes is it fuses deck building with worker placement. It slams those two together, and it works really well. I love that you only have two workers in this game. And um, you go along there, you're going to go to different areas, and you're going to you know, try to get resources. You're going to go up a, a track, uh, the science track, I believe it's called, and hopefully find all the great treasures and whatnot. It, it's... The theme doesn't, it's not my favorite theme, but at the same time, I think it works uh, for uh, this type of game. And I just, I something about deck building, guys, like, 
I like deck building a lot, but I like it even more when it's part of a like a uh, a bigger board game. So something like Clank, I like the work. You know, I like uh, like a dungeon crawl slash deck builder. Something like Trains, basically Ticket to Ride meets Dominion. Or another great one that I always I think it's uh, a totally underrated. And I totally forgot the name of the game. It's the Dungeons and Dragons one that does area control and um, Lords uh, of Waterdeep deck building. I'm sorry, Lords of Waterdeep. No, no, that's not it. No, I lie. Oh, it, Tyrants of the Underdark. There it is, Tyrants of yeah. the Underdark. Basically, I'm blood, in worker placement mode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Total like blood rage meets um, uh, well, not. Oh, now I'm thinking deck building. Anyways, I'm talking too much about deck building. This is worker placement, folks. What it does is, oh, and the reason why I'm excited because they took worker placement and fused deck building to it, and um, I just thought it was really well done. It's another type of those, another type of game that I like. Where hey, the rules are really pretty easy to grok, and you can jump right into the game. And uh, any gamer that knows deck building and worker placement, they'll be able to jump right into it. As far as a new gamer, I think there's a little of things that you, you'll you need to explain. Just the whole deck building uh, mechanism, right? It's like, hey, you're drawing five cards at a time. These are going to go away. But what I really like about this, too, is there are certain cards that you can buy that go right to the top of your deck. So it's not like you have to wait a cycle through your cards to finally get to that good card that you just bought. No, it can go right on top of your deck, uh, depending on uh, you know the timing that, or the uh, deck that you buy it. I, I forget if it's Relics, or I forget the name and um, the actual term. But anyways, such a good game. And the solo implementation super easy. They just... Uh, turn a uh, make an AI out of like little action tiles. So I think it's like ten. You shuffle them up, turn over the action. You're you're trying to uh, defeat the AI, but so so good. I really enjoy this. I should mention the the first expansion, the leaders expansion. I feel like it's a must have because Peter, you'll be glad to know it has know, asymmetric yeah. powers. Yeah. So no, it was a, it was an insta buy. I was like, <laughs> yeah. oh, I, I love <laughs> yeah. I love Arnak as it is. Yep. You know, I was going to make my list. I think I was trying to figure out if the tightness of workers could be a part of its innovation it's it's super yeah you have to really think about how to stretch two people mm-hmm. yeah across an entire set of turns totally you know? yeah and it, it's <sighs> oh that that's a good point like you know i remember the first worker placement game i ever played was stone age it's like you know by the end of the game i've got 10 workers they can do all kinds of stuff but here <laughs> yeah. no you've got two the entire time i was like oh i'm you know i need to get build my deck where i can get those extra actions and whatnot and of course with yeah. leaders expansion you know there's all kinds of different uh asymmetric yeah those, that breaks it open right. a little bit yeah, yeah totally yeah. yeah so that is our number six folks lost runes of arnak um let's uh oh, oh sorry uh chris got any thoughts on that or are, are we good no, I mean, like, Lost Ruins is, uh, I mean, it's so solid. What made you pick Lost Ruins over Dune Imperium? I know those two are often compared. I have my own gripes with how often they are compared yeah. because I feel like they shouldn't be compared that often because mechanically it's just because they both have deck building and worker placement, but they yeah. feel so different to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I'm, I'm, I'm wondering uh, if there was any sort of uh, back and forth with that. Yeah, that's uh, a, that's a great question. Well. I got a super simple answer. I still have not played Dune Imperium, believe it or not. Oh, well, yeah, there you wow. go. Pretty there simple answer. <laughs> and it's funny because I know I like the theme better in Dune Imperium, and I know it's got mm-hmm. worker placement and deck building. But, for again, one of those uh, things where people in my game group, for whatever reason, didn't pick it up, and then it was right. it was sold out for a little while, but I know that they've got plenty of stock now. So um, hopefully I'll, I'll get a copy soon, and I'll get back to you on that one, Chris. <laughs> all right that's well, a pretty good answer yeah there you go let's uh see what richard's got for us at number five. Oh yeah this is a list excellent choices again peter zolkin 
obviously one of the all-time greats, just as a game, but also as an innovative worker placement. Nobody has come close. Although there have been other games since then that do equally interesting ideas of the passage of time tied to your workers. But yeah, Zolkin, oh man, those gears love it. I still need to get somebody to paint all my gears. I've seen such awesome pictures on Borgen Geek. And Chris and Well, both excellent choices. Uh, Chris, Lorenzo made my shortlist the second time. I had just missed it. But yeah, I'm glad you talked about it because it totally deserves mention on this list. And well, Lost Ruins of Arnak, yeah. Uh, worker placement fused with, um, whatchamacallit, uh, deck building. Uh, of course, there are actually, I think, three games that are effectively tied for this. It wouldn't have been my choice. Again, folks, check out the extended edition of this show to see where I disagree with Ruel because instead of Ruin of Arnak, it should have been a different fusion of deck building and uh, worker placement that gets mixed on this shortlist. But regardless, let's move on now uh, to number five on the list. Oh my goodness. Uh, from a brand new designer. I believe this is the newest game of everything on the list you're hearing today. What is it? It is Barcelona from Danny Garcia. Watch this guy, folks. Uh, actually, I thought seriously about his other game that got published this year, Arborea, but it really does owe too much to Zulkin the Mind Calendar and the whole passage of time with the way it does worker placement, but it so builds on Zulkin. But regardless, I'm not here to talk about Arborea. The list is so long. There are so many. What am I what makes Barcelona a game about you know building Barcelona up into the metropolis it is today, uh, with the idea of uh, modern urbanization and a whole new way of designing cities that was uh premiered here. Anyway, why is this interesting? Well, uh, there's two things. One is, this is definitely not the first game that does the idea of, hey, when I put a worker out on the board, I triangulate the row and the column that they're in and activate multiple actions. I believe I've seen other games do that, although it is very cool here, especially because there's a third, there's a diagonal axis too. But that's not what makes this game special. When you send um, these citizen tokens that represent your workers out to these intersections uh, in the city of Barcelona and you get to activate whatever powers at the row and column that, you know, that centered on where where you activate it. That's all cool, and it's all about you know getting the resources you need to build buildings and uh, you know invest in all kinds of fun stuff and you know achieve objectives. But what really makes this interesting, folks, is the workers don't belong to us. Once I put my worker or you know the citizen out on the board, they stay there. They create. They become the foundational building blocks of the city because wherever I put those citizens, that becomes a, a the citizens demanding housing, demanding we need a building built right where we are. And over time, as more and more players send their workers out to activate whatever powers they want to activate, um, they are building up a foundation for a building that could get put onto the board. And so, timing is everything in this game. Because, um, you know, you might go to a spot and then, okay, well, I definitely want to leverage that by getting to, you know, build up the building um, off of the citizens that both you and I place there. And I think it's absolutely brilliant. The idea that they start out as workers that just have this really cool triangulation thing, you know, but again, we've seen that before in Targi. This goes to the next level, that they stay out there, that they become the foundational building blocks of what we're actually here to do. It's freaking brilliant. I absolutely adore it. And I've said it before and I'll say it again, folks. Uh, designer Danny Garcia is 
I mean, uh, he's up and coming. He's the next Fister. He's the next Feld, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, and a big reason for that is just how amazing Barcelona is. It comes in at number five. Okay, back to you. Wow, those are some uh, big words from Richard. The, the next Fister, the next Stefan Feld. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to play this game. Barcelona, folks, is actually uh, in my living room right now. That's the game I'm learning this week. Uh, oh, great. Yeah, I. Yeah. you had me. Barcelona's at- in Spain. Ruel. That's right. It's not it's in, in your living not room. Not my living room. Jeez. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. You had me at <laughs> Targi, Richard. That, you mentioned Targi. Oh, yeah. I'm like all over it. But then leaving the workers there after the triangulation thing and also doing diagonals. Oh, it, this sounds wonderful. Yeah. Um, That's really good. Yeah, I cannot wait to play yeah. this one. Um, something about uh, Danny Garcia, too. I, I don't remember. I know the name. Actually, no. Maybe I'm thinking of someone else. But anyways... Yeah, check it out, folks. You're thinking Great. of Danny Trejo. Danny Trejo, that's right. Oh, my God. Also famed um, board game piece in yes. the side. Machete. <laughs> <laughs> Love Danny Trejo. Yeah, I-, I can talk about Danny Trejo all day, but we're not going to do that. We're here to talk about games, worker placement games in particular. Uh, let's bring it back to our guest, uh, Peter. We're going to go into our top four. You've got the number four, Peter. Okay, I've got the number four spot, but mark my words, this is the number one game that will be mentioned on this entire thing. Now, I love I'm not it. Yes. biased at all, but I helped develop this game, which I know is cheating, but I have to bring this game up because if not me, then who could do? Who could bring this game up? <laughs> it's Dwellings of Eldervale, and I already hinted at Luke Laurie having written these blogs about worker placement. And what did he do after he studied all that worker placement? His entire mission, we've talked about the designers on this show that are dedicated to, I'm going to do a twist. I'm going to turn this around. I could name any one of Luke Laurie's games. I could name Whistle Mountain. I could name Manhattan Project Energy Empire. His entire focus is worker placement. So what did he do in Dwellings? Well, one of the first things about Dwellings is that the pullback stage, the return all your workers home, actually has something to do. And it's even better than the actual worker placement. It's it's <laughs> you come home and you get to activate and you have an amazing turn. That's first of all. Second of all, and this is not really like talked about as much, but it's a very tactical game is where you put your first worker. Because when you put your first worker, all your other workers have to go adjacent to that space. You're kind of calling your shot on the board of where your worker placement spots are going to be. That is a really interesting choice to make. Every time you pull back, you can come back wherever you want on the board, but you got to think about where you're going to take future turns. And then on top of that, your workers are different. So now you've got a dragon that can fly too and a wizard that can teleport and and a warrior that can just drop in on someone else's space. And so it's four different worker types. And then on top of that, You've got slotting, which is the um, mechanism where you can actually upgrade your cards and evolve them. So it's not like you're just grabbing, you're grabbing a worker placement spot that's like Troll's Feast that gets you something, but then you decide what it gets you by slotting a token into it. So you upgrade and evolve your spaces. It's just got, again, I'm, I totally understand that I'm biased, but um, <laughs> I will put it down. I will play that game anytime. I think it's got 16 factions. Of course, it goes back to variable player powers. That on top of all of those choices, there's just enough there to play that game over and over and over and never see that same exact mix. And the worker placement is so good. I will. I think it's innovative. And as a publisher, 
we I would put Andromeda's Edge on this list. I would have maybe made that my pick, but that's not published yet. So it's when we come yeah, back yeah. to this list, yeah, it's going to slam year. down <laughs> and it's going to bust my number four pick out of out of the, you know out of the place and take it to outer space because Andromeda's Edge goes even further. <laughs> but I would still say Dwellings for right now is my most innovative game that I could think of. Very nice. Yeah. And- you know, speaking of Luke Laurie, I really enjoyed his game Cryo, and I yeah. feel, I, I, I think that was was that after Dwellings. I, I forget the timeline of that. But. So he he actually uh, he pitched Cryo to Z Man before Dwellings. Okay, and Cryo actually uses slotting also. That's exactly, but Z Man took yeah. a long time to publish it, and he said, "I've got this <laughs> slotting mechanism that." is it being used yet? <laughs> and I was like, well, and he's like, I think it'll make dwellings amazing. So let's put it in there. Yeah. I, I, cool. yeah. And that's exactly what I thought of was that slide. I love that. You know, like, as you said, Peter, bring your workers back. Cool. But now you get to do other stuff. I love, love, love. That's such a great mm-hmm. innovation. And yeah. Yeah, yeah, Luke Laurie always, always um, got him on my radar. Like with that innovation, game. why, why ever play a, a boring pullback turn ever again? Right. right? Exactly. Yeah. Come yeah. On. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You just, you, you, it's fast paced. You got all the action all the time yeah and you got and you got hats that turn people into houses i mean (laughs) that's like the icing on the cake your little worker turns into a house (laughs) very nice okay excellent choice for number four we're getting down to our top three chris you've got number three uh okay so i feel i feel pretty good about this because I know I know Richard's going to love all three of my picks. He's approved of the other two, and there's no way that he can deny this one because I know it's in his top ten. The only thing, watch him say something like, ah, too basic. But you, you, <laughs> anyway, it's Keyflower. Um, I wanted to put Keyflower nice. on this list because I, I think uh, what, what is really innovative to me about this, it's kind of similar to Raiders in terms of like your workers don't belong to you. They do. But it, it is the color of worker that determines so much. And, and I, I, I've, you have three different colors of workers. For those who haven't, who haven't uh, played it, you have three different colors of workers. And you can use your workers to do two things. You either uh, bid on a tile, in which case those workers go away. Or you can put workers on a tile and do their action, like a standard worker placement game. However, whoever owns that tile at the end of the round gets those workers. And so you may want to use somebody else's uh, buildings and use their abilities, and it might be beneficial for you. But what you're giving them is more workers to spend on later turns. Uh, You also have to keep track of who has what color. You can have some sort of information about what people are holding on to. And so if I'm kind of keeping track and I'm like, okay, Peter's got a whole bunch of red meeples, but I I don't think he's picked up any yellow in like a long time. I can use a yellow meeple and bid on something that that I know would be really beneficial for for my opponent, and then they're stuck. And so it's it's a really interesting battle of of juggling the difference of the colors, the amount of the different colors that you have, what it's worth to bid on them and then lose them, how you put how you put tiles into your own zone so that you can just drop workers on them again because they can be used more than once you first put one meeple on them then two meeples on them and then three meeples on them but again they have to be that same color and so the idea that you have a pool of meeples and they're just determined by color and where they're on the board and i also think it's so innovative to to as an easy way of determining who's bidding on what 
you can play up to six players because there are six sides of a tile and you just put your workers <laughs> on one side of the tile to indicate, yeah, I'm bidding on this side and anything on like the south side where I'm sitting at the table is where I'm bidding the workers. And so it's really easy to keep track of, surprisingly easy to keep track of because you just need to draw a line to who's sitting where at the table and then you know who's bidding on what. Uh, so I think those those moves, plus it being like a really solid game, uh, make it, I, I haven't seen I, when I was talking about Spirium, I was like, oh, I haven't seen anything that that where the where the workers go outside the thing. And lo and behold, I have two games <laughs> where the workers go outside the thing. Uh, so, yeah, I guess I have seen it. But um, I think this does it in a, in a really interesting way of, of, again, balancing the use of those workers and uh, what what they're used for. And, and I love. Like I love people coming over to my my town and putting stuff on my town because I know I'm going to get those workers to use later. So it's an awesome flow of a game, uh, but not key flow, but a key flower. <laughs> a key flower. How's that? <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah, excellent choice. Um, I I would I would I thought for sure like Richard would have this on his list, but I'm sure yeah. you know he he talked about it uh, or he will talk about it. Probably talked about it or talked about it in a, in a previous in a list previous too. List, I mean, yeah, because yeah. I know how much yeah. he loves this one. Um, I do like that whole the the bidding thing, Chris. I think you're right on point with that. And funny thing is, yeah, you did pick another game where you don't put the workers on there. I think we yeah, know what you like. I was Chris. like, well, Spirium, it's so innovative. I'm like, oh well. <laughs> but other than those two, okay, other than those two, I haven't seen it until I until someone brings up an example right now that I have on my collection exactly. but other than those three uh, yeah. <laughs> and folks in the comments mind. drop all the uh, games that you know go uh, that yeah. chris school yeah, <laughs> okay uh let's move on to our uh, number two which i've got uh this is to me it's an oldie but a goodie uh this is such a solid mix of theme and mechanism it had me at hello uh this is viticulture um this oh, is yeah. the one that richard's doing i think this is the probably the original edition i'm specifically referencing viticulture essential edition which really you know cleaned things up and for me the one major innovation here is that large meeple yeah everyone has their own meeples you're you ain't sharing them or nothing you have your own crew of workers but eventually you're gonna either unlock or you'll start the game with a large meeple and that large meeple prevents you from being blocked, right? And that's the main thing of, with a lot of worker placement games. You place a worker, no one else can go to that spot. But here in Viticulture, you have that large meeple. As long as you have it in play, or, or as long as you haven't played it, you can bring it and place it and take that action. So you're never really blocked from something unless you've reused the large meeple or whatever. I think that one simple innovation really elevates this game. Uh, first of all, I love the theme. You know, it's just with Beth Sobel's art, I, you know, I may have gone to a winery or 10 in the past. I really enjoy, <laughs> you know, the, the whole experience of being a winery, uh, tasting wines, and just being outdoors and enjoying it. And this really, just really captures that feeling. And, you know, you're sending your workers out to literally, hey, go, you know, crush the grapes, go harvest, go, you know, plant, and all the different things you need to do. And eventually you're going to produce wine, either reds, whites, blushes, champagne, or whatever. And you're going to fulfill orders and fulfilling orders gets you points and whatnot, and maybe some bonuses. I just, I love how this game, everything flows just perfectly in this game. And for me, it's probably one of the easier worker placement games to uh, explain because you can explain it thematically, right? It's like, hey, you have a vineyard. Yeah. What do you do? You have to get some grapes. You have to plant them. 
oh, you can't plant certain ones without irrigation or, you know, whatever. And then you go to the next step. You need to harvest them. You need to pull them out. Hey, you need to make wine. You're going to stop those grapes. And it's just everything flows so perfectly. And then it takes away that frustration of being blocked um, from certain moves with that one little or the big meeple, right, that uh, will save you yeah. at a bunch of spots in the game. It's my favorite, personal favorite worker placement game of all time. For gamers, uh, hardcore gamers, I always recommend adding in Tuscany, the Essential Edition Tuscany, because that really, I mean, talk about adding complex, I'm not complexity, but it definitely adds uh, more depth to the game um, without uh, making the game, oh, I don't know, what, what is this, uh, Pino, oh, okay. <laughs> Richard had a note there, and we're looking at the. I guess all oh, he wanted to know how to pronounce, pronounce Pino. Pino. Okay, uh, Pinot Noir. Good, good job, Richard. <laughs> uh, so yeah, if if you're a seasoned gamer, definitely pick up the Tuscany expansion. It really adds a lot, a lot of things, including specialty workers. Has like this little area control um, part of the board as well. Definitely play with that. But gamers, I mean, this is to me, it's my favorite worker placement game. That is our number two collectively, Viticulture. It's a great pick. You know, I almost want to say that the, this was innovative in sort of its pacing because because worker placement had, and, I, you know, we don't have a U uh, Rosenberg on here yet. I don't know if it's coming, but um, there's this frantic, I have to feed everyone and viticulture is like this relaxed, let me make some wine. And it's just like, it's so, um, so great because there's not that same stress level. in that. Absolutely. Game, you know? Okay. Great point, Peter. Yeah, that's yeah. so true. You're you, you are you know work, worried about you know the end of each round. It's like, oh, I got to do this. No, you're just making the wine, and hopefully those you know the ongoing dividends will you know pay off. It. You don't you even. Know. I haven't played in a while, but you don't even have to make wine to win, right? Yeah, I that's mean, right. Yeah. There, yeah, there are plenty of ways to win without it. it, and even and when you add in Tuscany, there's even more ways to win without actually making wine. So yeah, there you go, friends. I love that. Yeah. I love that storeroom. It's like buy my uh, no, no buy, we'll talk. We'll, We'll talk about this wine that's coming eventually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> my uh, my my friend who who I play games with a lot, who I describe as my board game soulmate, he was playing games with his cousin, and she she just destroyed him, not selling a single thing of wine, and he was so <laughs> mad. He was so mad. He's like, "What are you What are you doing over there? You're just with your pathetic. I'm working hard in the field, and he just will go off on this tirade." And I love that you can do silly things like that. Yeah. In, uh, <laughs> In it where you don't even have to do wine, you don't even have to yeah, make wine to win the game. So much. I, so also, I also think, um, I'm correct me if I'm wrong because I don't remember, but you're also picking your order, your turn order, right? I think that's also an innovative, yeah, yeah uh, that's thing right. There. Yeah, the, the wake up row, right? Like the you're wake gonna up place, track was yeah, really great. Yeah, do I want to go yeah. fast? Do I want to get a fast placement or do I want to like sit back and have an extra worker? You know, that's right. And I, yeah, each space that. has a different bonus, right? You could get a worker, you could get a victory point, you can get cards or coins or whatever. Yeah, very that's right. Yeah. Another. I love that, and I love the applications of that actually in the solo mode. I, I don't play yeah, a lot of solo cool. games. I've never played it solo, but I know I was like talking about the rules of the solo, and that you pick one of those each time. Yes, and so like you're choosing when to activate them, and then that also acts as like a round counter. I think yeah. is yeah. Uh, no, you're right, Chris. That, yeah. It totally. Oh, yeah. That's exactly it. Yeah, love, yeah. love, love that. That's and that's great. actually uh, Viticulture is one of the solo games that really sold me. I mean, I was soloing Pandemic, of course, but really yeah. viticulture was the one is like oh i really like this um with the automa deck uh that that's like mm -hmm, the start yeah. of that um uh, uh solo system i think stonemeyer could be on the list for multiple reasons i think that they are also a big worker placement company and thus yeah pushing the envelope of worker placement a lot absolutely so. yeah, yeah for sure okay and let's... also the innovative the last thing the innovation 
of making rosé in the way true Italians do by just smashing white and red wine together. That's how it's done. Wait, is that true? Really? <laughs> no, it's, I mean, it's not. It's not how it's done. But uh, <laughs> love it. Certainly, right. how it's done in the game. Yes. <laughs> Let's see what Richard's got for us at number one. Oh, this list is good. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah. Uh, Chris and Rell, Key Flower and Viticulture, they both made my earlier list for good reason. I mean, Viticulture, to be fair, when it first was released, it wasn't quite so innovative with the worker placement. But yeah, over time, as it added stuff via expansions, yes, definitely, um, you know, really earns its place in the overall pantheon as a hugely influential and, inf- and um, innovative thing. And Keyflower, oh my gosh. I was surprised recently to find out, Chris, Keyflower makes yours and my personal top 10. I guess that's why I like you. I, I I can't quit you, Chris. Anyway, though, Peter, I have to say, I mentioned this earlier, Cardboard Alchemy, let me just say how amazing it is. Um, between Dwellings of Eldervale and then Flamecraft and, and upcoming Critter Kitchen, you are really at the vanguard, uh, Mr. Vaughn, of reinvigorating, reevaluating, reimagining what worker placement is. And I love Dwellings of Eldervale, even if it's not quite the game for me, because there's a little bit of that in there that doesn't need to be there. But the idea that, hey, your workers in this game behave more like tiles in a tile laying game is so smart. I love it. Uh, anyway, though, uh, there can be only one, and I am the original R, so I am going to occupy the number one space with a game I'm just absolutely gaga for. What is it? It is Space Station Phoenix. Now, in this game, we are uh, building uh, new space stations to house aliens who are coming to visit humanity because we finally got our act together. I am a sucker for a game that has a positive view of humanity's future instead of a dystopic view. So that always pulls me in. But that's not what makes this game special. Uh, we are, we already have little miniature builder satellites, which are represented by this grid, 3 by 3 grid of cards. Everybody has a unique grid of worker cards, and these are worker placement spots that I can send my workers to. But if I'm willing to give you a benefit, I could go to your worker placement spots in your grid of cards also. And, I mean, I like that, but this is not the first game where, hey, we've each got our own worker Placement slots, and we benefit each other if we kind of share in um, you know the action bounty that's available. What really makes this game stand out is I start with a three by three grid of worker placement spaces, as do you. It is hard getting resources into space to build a space station. Just about one of the hardest things humanity is doing, even in the future. And so, uh, it, what you might often find yourself doing is, hey, rather than all the time and expense and effort and energy to bring more construction material up here so we can keep building this super space station. How about I disassemble one of the builder robot um, satellites that are already up here into its component parts so it can become resources? What does that... That's thematically what we're doing. Occasionally, we're using these satellites, these mini satellites, but other times, we rip them apart for spare parts and plug them into our main space station we're trying to build. What does that mean? This is a worker placement game where the worker placement field is literally getting turned into salvage scrap throughout the game. And this is something I love. I love a deck building game where, hey, you put a lot of cards in your deck and it's awesome, but sooner or later you have to pull those cards out to score them. I love a uh, worker placement game like earlier ones on my list where, hey, I've got all my workers and eventually they do a lot of stuff, but eventually I have to sacrifice those workers uh, to be able to turn them into points at the end of the game. Here, we are literally ripping apart the worker placement board itself to... um, 
um, turn it into the resources we need to build. And then that's when the interplay between players gets really interesting. Because, yeah, you know what? I just need this right now. Yeah, I'm going to destroy this fabrication thing to get the resources I need for the step I want to do. Because I know you still got a fabrication space. And so now, for the rest of the game, until you rip yours apart, I have to use yours. And as soon as you see me rip mine apart, you're like, yes, he's going to be coming over to visit to me, and I'm going to be getting some nice passive benefits. I probably don't want to rip mine apart. Or do I? Uh, yo, so there, this idea of, um, you know, as part of setup, we create a unique to this game worker placement grid, but then throughout the game, we we literally scrap it for parts is so cool. And not for nothing, amazingly thematically grounded. I love that too, uh, which is why Space Station Phoenix had to take the number one spot. Okay, guys, what do you think? So, yeah, this is another game that I do not have, and I have had trouble finding a copy, but now we know where a copy is. We're going to your house, Richard, to play this. Uh, this <laughs> I, I this love that uh, what Richard described of, you know, you are going on using the worker placement spaces, but eventually you're going to trash those and salvage those, and I think that's really fascinating. I, I can't wait to uh, check it out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, I like that that's thematic really cool. consonance that he's talking about when you have a game that the that the mechanism fits. Like it mm-hmm. that does make sense, right? You're tearing it apart in that particular theme. Seems great. Yeah, totally. Okay, yeah. folks, those are our top twelve innovative worker placement games. What'd you think? In the comments below, let us know what yours are. And I uh, want to thank uh, Peter for hanging out with us today. And don't forget, folks, Extended Edition. You're going to hear a bunch more games from Richard and all of us uh, in the Extended Edition. You can click on the links below. want to, uh, one more time, thank Chris for being the ho- co-host with the most, folks. And uh, Peter, <laughs> appreciate your time. Co-host who's at least here. That's that's what I like. <laughs> exactly. That's, what I, that's how I describe myself. Uh, before before we go, yeah. uh, I, d- I also want to give a shout out again to our sponsor of the of the episode, Crafting Kingdoms. Yes. Uh, we are recording this live on Twitch, and I saw them kind of drop in the chat when uh, when we were reacting to their bags. They're like, hey, Maybe we could collab on a Flamecraft or Critter Kitchen bag. I mean, I don't know. I saw those. I saw those little. I saw those little panels on the side, and now I'm just envisioning what would it take to get that. I I I just thought I'd drop that little tidbit in there. Maybe it'll happen. Maybe we'll talk about it more in the post show. I just thought (laughs) I'd bring it up as a wish list, a beautiful wish list to get the fans going and talking about it. Because think about it: if you had a board game bag with that sort of art on it, I don't know. I don't know. That's all I'm saying. It just it seems like maybe it was the perfect meld of guest and sponsor yes. and uh who knows who knows what'll happen i dig it yeah, yeah thanks <laughs> all right so yeah. on that note folks uh thanks to crafting kings for sponsoring this episode of the r and show until next time we'll see you later so long bye-bye and hello we are back for the post show whoo lots and lots of games but we're not done folks we're going to talk about the games we're not done yeah we've got about 15 minutes uh to go here then peter will let you uh go again appreciate your time why don't we talk about the games uh friends uh that didn't make our uh cut um peter or chris would you like to lead things off sure i can drop one in yeah actually um asking for troubles was on my short list uh because it is yeah you know, granted, there's so there's bumping of workers, which I think is a in worker placement. I think that's pretty innovative. There's technically, I think, euphoria around the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, but Chris did it. Uh, Chris and Aaron did it in asking for troubles, where you never really are blocked. You could say, "I will take that spot," but I'm going to have to give Chris his ship back, which I know will make 
his worker placement efficient. We both get something. It feels really good. Yeah. And then the second innovation in that game that I think is great is the fact that it plays seven. I mean, a worker placement yeah. game that plays seven. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't slow down. It's like really good. Yeah. Really amazing to have that, like not a party game at seven. Yeah. Um, and I'm yeah. going to mention this one more thing. Actually, Critter Kitchen is going to go to seven also. So we're going to add another nice. game out there where you're going to be able to get that worker placement uh, seven player fix. Nice. Wow. Yeah. That's, re- that's really good. Yeah. You never, you never see those. So like, that's awesome. I can think of two games off the top of my head that play seven, seven wonders and asking for troubles. That that's it. You know? <laughs> yeah. And I, yeah. I, I have played it at seven and uh, Peter, you're right. It plays just fine at seven. It didn't bog down or anything. It was a wonderful game. Yeah. Great choice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, some of the ones that were on my list, that, that's cool that you mentioned the, the bumping of workers. Cause I was even thinking about this when you brought up viticulture. I meant to say it on the, on the, when you brought it up, but a uh, hollow type, I don't know if you've played that. It's a fairly recent game. They're going to have an expansion for it. I think coming out in November. Um, and it's, it's like a dinosaur. I, I've referred to it as like dinosaur worker placement wingspan, which just a very <laughs> lovely cube pusher is what it is. You're getting wow. cubes. You're using those cubes to buy little dinosaurs, to, to research dinosaurs. Uh, and then to, uh, like, do you see in the top corner there, there's like three purple cubes and four white cubes. You make, you use those cubes, you get that dinosaur, you put it out. But you have uh, different, like, heights of worker placement. And so, huh. like, your your tallest one is your paleontologist, and that's the one who can, like, publish findings. And that can also kick out anybody. So you can kick anybody out of the space, but whichever you kick out of the space goes back to the person and then they don't have to spend a turn recalling all their workers. And so it's that, it's that really nice balance between the two, um, which uh, I thought, I thought was really cool and, and was kind was kind of an honorable mention. Solkin I had on on my, on my honorable mentions as well. Like that was on my list for sure. Uh, I had, I had Kalis. I had Kalis on this just because uh, being the sort of worker placement that started it all and more effectively uh, more or more importantly, about the the provost or the 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 bishop, the provost, the grumpy called, guy that, that can move along the road and can stop you from doing the action that you paid so hard to get your worker onto that spot <laughs> because it's delayed worker placement. You can just be like, oh no, I haven't traveled that far. They yeah. haven't paid their taxes at that end of the road. None of their actions go through, and it's <laughs> yeah. so mean that nobody I I know who I play games with who I thought would like it like this game, and I had to get rid of it. I know nobody will play it with me, but I just like, I think the game's so fun. Uh, and, and it's, it's uh, wild. It's just like still a great design. And then the other one that I had to um, was Everdell as like an honorable mention. Oh yeah. In terms, in terms of just workers existing in different seasons, uh, that, yeah. that idea yeah. that, you, that I could be on fall and you could still be on spring. Right. And that there are only yeah. certain spots on the board where you can go in fall. Uh, and and yeah. so just that idea of like the the flow of of when to place things when things are covered that it's not a standard standard thing. If I finished the game and the spots that I ended up going to last are covered, they're covered. Like you, my yeah. opponents can't go there, yep. and so it gives kind of a bonus of like finishing or not. So those were kind of my my honorable mentions that I that I wanted to talk about too. Yeah, I actually thought Everdell would make the list. It just again, mm. it's beautiful yeah. and um, yeah, it, it's a solid game, and I do like that. The innovation of like, hey, now everyone's taking ending their turn on the same or ending their round on the same turn. You know, it's it's variable. So I always thought that was interesting. Another uh, one like um, that has that tightness, like Arnak. Yep. I mean, it's super 
You know, I, I don't have that many animals you can work yeah, with. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Especially at the beginning, you're like, what can I do? Yeah, right? <laughs> I can do nothing. Everything goes At the very so beginning much. of that game, I remember thinking, wait, there's more, right? We're missing a rule or something? Right. I can't yeah, even yeah, yeah. animals. It's what? So true. Yeah. Um, yeah. uh, a couple of things I didn't make it on, on my list. Uh, Stone Age, of course. That's to me. That's that was the first worker placement I played. Um, it's yeah. the OG. Solid. You know, yeah. I always yeah. A great entry point uh, game. Uh, Lock up a role player tale. I really like that mm. one uh, by Stan Kordonsky. A really interesting take on uh, worker placement. Lords of Waterdeep, a classic, of course. Um, you know, I think Chris, we've talked about Lords of Waterdeep before on, uh, in the past uh, on the show, uh, but. Mm. As teased during the list, folks, and I want to say hi to Dutch Yoda, who's raiding us with a party four. Thanks, Dutch, for the raid. Welcome <laughs> Thanks, to the party, Dave. folks. Uh, we are. Uh, this is the post show. We're just ending our list of the top <laughs> twelve innovative games with extras. And we had ta I talked about this a little bit. A uh, dice placement games. This was for me the original one. Uh, Alien Frontiers. Uh, oh, Alien Frontiers. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Old mm. school. This is like the one. Yeah. I feel like it's really innovative, not only in dice placement, but. Really, it was one of the first like big board game Kickstarters many years ago, right? Those was oh, like, yeah. all the rage. And I really enjoyed this. So you you know, roll dice, you're gonna get resources and it's a race up, I think, to fifteen or twenty points or whatever it was. And you have the little cool little um aliens and, and whatnot. Um this run through that uh Rich is doing, this is how I play the game. It's been a while since I played, but adding the factions expansion to me is unnecessary. It gives you Oh dear, looks like we had a network outage, so we're skipping ahead. Okay, post-show time. Honestly, guys, take five. I'm going to go as fast as I can, but I'm also going to be doing my top 10 innovative worker placements because, remember, back in 2014, I started this and I did another in 2019. I would be remiss if I didn't give a full top 10 of my stuff today. You've only heard my top three so far, but here in the extended, oh man, I'm, I'm not going to go deep. I'm going to try and be quick so you guys have some time to talk, but literally, this is probably going to take me five minutes or so. I'm trying to go quick. All right. It's just not my style. I, stop rambling. Start doing it. Okay. Number 10 on my new, my 2023 version of the most innovative worker placement games of all time, continuing on, uh, has to be, oh, where are we? Founders of Teotihuacan. I love this game because the trick for the worker placement here is, hey, I want to go to a space because it does the action. Plus, if I'm the first one there, I get a really big bonus. Yay. But um, just because it's occupied doesn't mean other players can't go there. And as other players go to the same spot. They activate their worker to do the, the thing, plus all the workers below them that they're stacking on top of. So you are incentivized to go to places that other places have already been and get big windfalls, but you're also incentivized to go there early because you get those first-come, first-served bonuses. I think the game is absolutely brilliant. It's also a brilliant and innovative tile-laying game as well, but we're talking about worker placement, and that's why Founders of Teotihuacan comes in at my number 10. Then we've got number 9, Oak. There have certainly been other worker placement games that uh, go into the idea of workers that grow and change over the course of the game. Heck, we talked about some in the main list today. Lorenzo Magnifico and whatnot. They change their function. But I have never seen a game, a worker placement game, lean into the toy factor quite as much as this one. Oh, uh, maybe Chimera Station. Uh, you know, that one's very fun toy factor too, uh, to be fair. But I love the idea that I've got these druids, they're doing all their druidy things out in the woods, but if I can invest in a given druid, I literally get to snap these cool little um, pieces on the worker. Let me see if I can find one time when I did it. Oh, I can't. 
I should have uh, set this up ahead of time. But anyway, you can go watch my run through. By the way, folks, there's um, links for all the videos we're showing today down in the show notes. If you want to learn more about all these games, uh, everything's down in the show notes. Anyway, um, so when you do make an investment in a druid and give them a cape or a satchel or a loot and change their core functionality, they become super druids. So much more powerful than what I have seen in other games that do this same kind of thing. But the problem is their powers only really get leveraged if you send them to certain spots. So at once, you make them super, uber powerful meeples, but you also, it's kind of like a genie, itty bitty living space. They are limited to where they can go. Now, they can go anywhere. They can do all the regular ho-hum normal druid stuff, but then that becomes, once you've upgraded these druids, I feel like I've got to use them here, even if I don't need to use that action right now. And that level of tension makes Oak really stand out, which is why it goes number nine. Number eight is Endless Winter, Paleo-American, Ruel. I can't fault you for uh, giving the uh, nod for the idea of fusing deck building and worker placement together to Lost Ruins of Arnak. But at the same time the world first saw Arnak, and the same time they also saw Dune Imperium, which is a game a lot of people would give the nod to, uh, they also... Uh, were introduced to this idea in Endless Winter. And honestly, of the three games, I think Endless Winter does the most cool, interesting stuff with the idea of workers who are supplemented by a simultaneous parallel deck-building game. All three games are great. I can't fault you for Arnak, especially with its new... um Oh, what do you call it? The uh, cooperative expansion they just came out with. But still, Endless Winter Paleo-Americans is, is my pick for the most innovative fusing worker placement and deck building together. All right, so that was 10, 8, or 10, 9, 8. What about number 7? That has got to be a how. Rulers of the Yucatan. And this is an interesting game. Uh, Peter, if you don't know it, you'd be interested in this uh, because it has this idea of simultaneously everybody choosing in secret, where am I going to send my worker? And then everybody revealing the cards they chose and dealing with the outcome. And of course, other games have done this too in the past. But what really makes this game interesting to me is, hey, if you we actually pick two cards in secret. One card, where do I want to send my worker? The other card, how badly do I want to go there? Because inevitably, there aren't very many places to go. And sooner or later multiple players are going to send their workers to the same location. And now, in other games that have done this, that is usually bad for somebody, because somebody gets first dibs, all the really good stuff, and the other people kind of get the, the dregs. A how goes a completely different way. If multiple people go to Region 5, whoever wanted it the most stays, gets to do the Region 5 action, and the other players who did not have as high a priority, they get bumped to adjacent areas. They get kicked out. And you may say, oh, that sounds terrible. I wanted to go there and you've kicked me out. Now I got to do this other thing. But that's not how it works in practice. There are so few opportunities to go to a given zone. Once I've gone to a zone, I can't go there anymore. But if I can anticipate when you're going to go to an adjacent zone and I go there at the same time with a low priority, hoping that you'll go there and that you'll bump me out, that's how I can go where I really want to go. And the mind games in the, are absolutely phenomenal. There's so many other cool things about a how-to. I love the... Uh, the it, I've never seen any game do a uh, objective System the way they do in the pyramid. Everything about this is fantastic. Plus the cultural consultancy they brought on. Uh, just an amazing game. Uh, what was that? Number uh, 10987 was Ahau, Rulers of Yucatan. Number six is Flamecraft. And I swear, Peter, I would have put this on the list even if you weren't here today. But 
amazing job. Uh, uh, you know what? What is the cool about the work? Everybody knows Flamecraft, right? It's the idea that hey, it starts out almost a, pretty much a gateway game. Simple worker placement spots, very simple rules. But throughout the game, players invest in these worker placement spots and make them bigger and more powerful and more combo laden. So by the end, of, what started out as a really simple game, by the end of the game, all the worker placement spots are big, huge, powerful super turns, and that's such a wonderful arc. And it's all because of player choices. I think it's absolutely fantastic. Totally deserves a spot on the list. Flamecraft. Alrighty. Then, continuing the countdown, there is Goetia. Nine Kings of Solomon. There are so many things I could talk about this. So many interesting ideas. Uh, and really, this game gets a nod because it brings all of them together. Uh, probably the most important thing is the idea that when you send your worker out to a really good spot, they get trapped there. And um, somebody else needs to go there to free them. And now, and that, you know, that's really kind of a similar thing to uh, Bumping, which of course made it onto my original list from, oh, what was it, Euphoria back in the day. Uh, and we've seen a lot of other great examples of Bumping over the years. But like I said, this is more about combining a lot of different things. B combining worker bumping, but done in a very different way. A very um, macabre, grim way, because uh, we are cultists worshipping um, you know, uh, Old Testament era demons in the time of King Solomon. I have to admit, I'm not a fan of the theme at all. I wish they would just re-release this as a Nice bucolic farming simulation, but the combination of you know worker tra workers being trapped, um, the uh, the cost to do worker actions based on the cards are on the outside. The worker placement grid is constantly updating. There are area control elements where you're putting your workers on the outside areas as well. There is uh, so you're kind of sacrificing your workers. Very thematically appropriate. Uh, there are tech trees that your workers can contribute for as well. There is so much going on, and I've just never seen, or very rarely seen, such a cool, eclectic mix of so many fresh ideas that come together to make something really wonderful, if very grim and macabre. Uh, that would be, what was that, number five, uh, Goetia, the Nine Kings of Solomon. Then there is number four, Pessoa. Oh, man. This is a really simple worker placement game, and it's hard. It really leans into the core idea that, oh, there's only so many worker placement spots to go around, and once somebody took the spot I want, argh, I have to wait for you to get out of the way, and i got to do something else in the meantime. What makes this game so special is there has never been a tighter worker placement game ever in games. Often, I mean, the board is so full, you'll only have a choice between you know a couple of spaces because the, the board tightens up fast, and the workers stay out there. They just move from one space to another. They rarely come home. And that may sound, well, that's really boring. A worker placement game where I really don't have very many choices because all the spaces are already blocked. But here's the thing. For thematic reasons that have to do with the real-world poet, one of the greatest poets of all time, uh, Portuguese poet Pessoa, who um, had not multiple personalities, but multiple pseudonyms that he lived his life through. We are these different pseudonyms, uh, pen, uh, you know, names that he went by. And... Um, if I desperately want to do a thing that I can't because it's blocked, the most valuable resource in this game, I think, is inspiration or it's imagination or something like that. And I can spend those resources to break the rule of worker placement that says an occupied space can't be gone to and go. So when do I do that? When do I just say, ah, to heck with it? Well, okay, I was hoping you clear the way you didn't, so I'll go to this thing instead. Or when do you pull your workers off so and, and do some you know thoughts at home, which is to say in the back of Pessoa's brain, uh, so that on a future turn, you can jump out and give yourself more options. But as soon as you pull yourself off the board, you've given every other player, you know, any other game where, oh, look, somebody came off the board. There's an extra worker placement spot. It's nice, but that's not that big a deal. In this game, when somebody comes off the board, you just double 
doubled or tripled the amount of options a player has. So you are so intertwined with what other players are doing, trying to uh, uh, you know work out how to best spend your time writing the great poems of Pessoa. Never mind, it's also awesome the way the poems actually come into the game. I love the idea of creating art as a fundamental goal. So many wonderful ideas. So that is my number four, Pessoa. Then we had, as already talked about, number three, Come Together, number two, Barcelona, and number one, Space Station Phoenix. Okay. Oh my gosh. That took like 10 minutes. I thought it was going to be five. Back to you guys. 10 minutes worth of games, folks. Great, great list. All kinds of, <laughs> I mean, amazing things. I love that he worked in Flamecraft there. Um, and it wasn't meant to be, you know, it wasn't, <laughs> you know. <laughs> that blows me away. That blows me away. You know what I mean? Well deserved, um, though. Well deserved. I mean, and I'm going to say this because we haven't, I haven't had a chance to talk to Richard about this, but like at, at our studio, we don't consider Flamecraft to be a worker placement game. So for it to make a top 10 worker placement game just shows you how it, the you can't stop the cute dragons. They will barge yeah. on to any <laughs> list and they will take it over. Yes. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so honored that he would put it on a, a we're, you know, we're, that's so great, you know. Um, we we joked when we were launching it. We called it dragon placement because it was yeah. this idea like we like we're just doing something akin to worker placement. So I can see why it makes it on a list, but but certainly, yeah. um, wow, that's an honor. Cool, uh, folks. Yeah. Don't forget to check out that link I just dropped in chat. Uh, follow uh, hey. Peter's uh, newest project coming up, uh, Critter Kitchen. We are so excited for it, uh, Peter. Again, thank you so much for your time. Um, really you. appreciate you joining us today. Folks, we are out of time. We we started late today, and uh, we are going over just a few uh, minutes here. We're going to raid another board gamer. Uh, Chris, uh, final thoughts before we get out of here. No, I love worker placements. Go have fun playing fun games. Woohoo! Woo-hoo. <laughs> there it is. Uh, let's go raid. Oh, uh, Amanda Panda is playing Junk Drawer. That's nice little to uh, towel-laying game. There are the balloons. That signals the end of the stream, so we've got 10 <laughs> seconds before we raid. Uh, hey, uh, Chris, can you make it rain real quick? Uh, like, rain? Oh, uh, I can make it rain with confetti. There it is, yes! <laughs> so nice. amazing. Cool. All right, here we go for the raid. Stick around. You get extra rattle points. Thank you again, friends.